Give the gift of a new ride this Yuletide. A Bobcat compact tractor makes the perfect gift for the holidays. Get a free loader or 0% financing for 84 months through December 31st. Jingle all the way to Bobcat of Gulfport and Socher today. Welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. Melissa Tittle at Code, Code 12 is our show tonight. We're going to blow you away with this new documentary as we wait for Bill WD-40 to lube us up for tonight's show in the Spreaker chat room. We're very proud to have Bill in the chat, captaining everything going on over there. As we continue on with our roll call, there's Vanessa. Thank you for joining us. We are caught up so far. Reminder to all of you, Heidi Henderson and Linda B., Reminder to all of you, Ozzy Ange, including you, okay, you can get your swag at spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly clothing, people. We got stuff that you actually want to wear. You're not embarrassed to take it outside, all right? And if you want to join the Space Travelers Club for as low as 5 bucks a month, hit the link below on the YouTube side. And right now, let's do it. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Street Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of information tonight as we go deep into Code 12 with Melissa Tittle and her new documentary. She will be here momentarily. Then in Hour 3, from Among the Missing YouTube channel, Steve Stockton. Then Super Duke has the cryptid report. For more than a decade, Melissa Tittle has been developing and producing motion pictures and television. Her particular expertise is into creative narrative stories around nonfiction subjects. Truth always seems to be stranger than fiction. Currently, Melissa is creative CEO of Hathor Studios. Hathor Studios specializes in films, TV shows, and short-form content that helps form a new narrative. It also covers topics such as meditation, human potential, aliens, sci-fi, and ancient civilizations. Formerly, she served as head of content and development for Gaia Television, but now she has a brand new documentary out. It's called Code 12, and I'm telling you, if this one doesn't put goosebumps all over your body, I don't know what will. We're going to welcome in Melissa Tittle here on Spaced Out Radio. It's been a couple years since we had you on, Melissa, but so glad to have you back. How have you been, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in uh, New York these days, so I'm in a closet because people are sleeping. 
Oh, <laughs> it's always about them people sleeping. But you know, I know they're missing out. <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, when you get a chance to talk some serious woo, you got to stay up. You got to generate some coffee Agreed. in the kitchen and make things happen because it's very rare you get to have a woo filled night in this fast paced life here. Melissa, you have been all over the place over the last few years. You've been on television series, you have made some documentaries, you've been speaking all over the world regarding these topics. Where do you mm-hmm. find the time? How do you do it? Well, I don't sleep. That's really what it is. <laughs> um, God, I don't even know. Uh, it, it's um, I'm just so passionate about all of this stuff. And, and ever since I left Gaia, I've just been able to kind of do and go as deep as I want with as much content as I want. So, um, yeah, I, I've... Uh, last couple of years I've been on UFO witness, several other shows for discovery channel, um, diving into some investigations with, uh, lots of alien, some paranormal stuff. Um, but my real passion is, is finding out why all these things exist at all. Because when a person that's a victim of an abduction situation, um, and I know you've had a lot of these people on the show, um, especially the ones that have repeated, abduction situations happening. Their one question to me is why is it happening and what do they want? Now, usually after some point in time, these abduction situations, they come to a conclusion or, or the visitors come to them and say, look, you're part of, you're part of an awakening on the planet and you're part of it. But, but we still have these questions of why. And, and me, and for me, having written, ancient civilization shows and, and I've worked on ancient aliens. Um, this, this concept of all of this unknown stuff that no matter how much we look and get more evidence, we still want to know why are they here? What is happening? And what is the purpose of us being here? And um, that's really what my passion has been. So all of this, all of the weird stuff together, I've kind of, channeled into this new documentary code 12 which is basically my my hypothesis if you will from all of these studies all of these tangents of investigations of the unknown um has led me to a fact that we are in some kind of simulate simulation some kind of setup situation and these beings are able to understand the universe in a way that we do not. And that is why they can appear here and appear there. They can pass through walls. They can, they're, um, they have craft that are at mock speed that we can't, that we can't understand how fast and how they function uh, from what we have with the kind of technology we have. Um, and, and that is, that's why I'll leave you. <laughs> We're going to get into a lot of Code 12 earlier on, but there's always people out there who may not be familiar with you and why you got mm-hmm. into this. Why the passion into this? Was it personal experiences for you, or was it just the the idea that there was more to this life out there that just generated your curiosity? Uh, it, you know, it wasn't like a a personal experience that 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 um brought me to this situation. I, I feel like I've always had a curiosity. And ever since I was a kid, I felt I felt that 
when you're a kid, you look to the adult world and you think, this is my future, this adultness. <laughs> and I thought, there's got to be more than this adultness going on. There's, there's just, there's just, there's got to be more going on in this world than just that. <laughs> and um, thankfully, I grew up in a family where we talked about weird stuff. My, um, my dad was in the Air Force. Uh, we talked about aliens. Uh, we talked about ancient civilizations. Um, we talked about every single religion. Um, and that was a normal in my house. So my mind was pretty open. And so this was just a natural progression because it just, that was just the base of my curiosity. When you started learning about aliens, alien abduction, people going through these traumatizing stories, whether they were positive <laughs> or negative experiences, and, and then you throw in paranormal monsters like Bigfoot, Dogman. I mean, when you started really getting into the depth of this, did you believe that it was this dense of material out there, that it was this heavy and this this much going on? I had no idea. <laughs> and, you know, I was just talking to someone the other day about this. You open, you, you feel like you figured out one area, you open that door, you go down that rabbit hole and you hit some kind of, some kind of bottom and you're like, I figured it out. And then that door opens and you're in another rabbit hole. It never ends. And, and it's just the deeper you go, the more questions you have. And um, I think that when people are looking for the one truth, it does not exist. There's so many truths to one situation, I would call it. And um I, uh, I, it, I, I'm thankful that I'm not looking for the one truth. I really, as a journalist, I'm really not looking for the one truth. I, what I really want to answer is what is the point of all of this? What is the point of all the interactions, all these unknown experiences that we are experiencing as humans, whether they're good or they're bad, um, and that, and that, to me, I feel that I can answer more questions on the paranormal and these alien situations that are happening by staying right there in that, that sweet spot. And I can understand that and appreciate that. But the more you went down the rabbit hole and the more you travel down the rabbit hole, okay, what has mm -hmm. shocked you about this? Is it the never-ending paths? Is it the fact that the answers are right in front of us, but we just can't seem to find them? What what captivates you? What captivates me is the consistency of patterns in stories. So we have social media now, right? So there's, you could say people read someone else's story and then they're repeating it and all that kind of stuff. But, but I would say way before social media, you have a whole bunch of people um, and there's some, there's some, some cases that aren't so popular that, that have the same kind of pattern of how they tell the story. This happened and then this happened and then this happened. Um, and that to me blows my mind because you can judge a person, you can find faults in their story, you can, you can say, I don't know if I believe this person, uh, because they must have some kind of motive, right? You can go into that human uh, thinking process of how you judge someone's story. But I would say the one thing that blows my mind about all of this stuff, whether it's the missing time phenomenon, um, the, the alien abduction stories, um, we were just talking about Bigfoot, 
and portals and aliens right before, before this 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 started. Um, all of this stuff leads to significant patterns, and that's what blows me away because patterns are the one things that you can trust. You can't necessarily trust one person's story or this person's story, but you can trust the patterns. And there are significant patterns that have been happening for the last 50, 60 years that I think are creating a bigger story that we really need to pay attention to. What are we missing? In your opinion, when we look at all of the evidence that is out there, everything that's mm-hmm. been presented, where do you think we as humanity are going wrong? Why aren't we connecting with this ultimate phenomena that seems to be everywhere? I think it's because we honestly don't know how the universe works. We really are missing a component of of how um, the understanding of how space moves, how 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 we move in time and space. We we have an idea, and we have lots of amazing smart people working on crazy uh, theories, and and you know everyone's close to this being able to kind of control space time, right? We hear about it all the time. There's a new phys- a quantum physics discovery coming out. But I honestly think there's a component we're missing and that we do not, and, and our existence in this 3D reality as humans cannot understand this one part of how the universe works. If we understood that, we would be able to see, feel, hear, be part of this interdimensional existence with all these other things and, and kind of bring back our power a little bit. Right now, we feel a little bit powerless, right? If we're in the woods and we meet Big Bigfoot or we're having an, an experience uh, with an alien being, you know, we, we, we feel a little out of control because we don't necessarily know how it's all working. And this is the component. I think we will solve all of those issues and we'll be dealing with something else. But But right now, it's that. To me, that is the component. We do not understand how the universe works, how it propagates. Mm. And, and the good part for you is, being a filmmaker, the stories never end. The passion never ends. And Thank God. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's a good thing. It's even like with this radio show. You know, a lot of times we'll be like, well, we've talked to the, all of these people. Where do we go? Well, there's Amazon, there's conferences, there's people talking to people, social media, Facebook groups, Twitter, everywhere where somebody is just looking for that opportunity to have mm-hmm. someone listen and hear their story or read yeah. their story. And the passion that is out there for the for the majority, I'm going to say 90% because I think it's a high number of people who are not trying to BS the community, that they just want to know, like you said, right off the bat of the show, why me? Why me? How powerful is that question? Why me? That is the most important question because that person's individual experience is a representation of all humanity. And them being part of something that we don't understand, right? If we go back to, we don't understand how the universe works, is another data point for us to understand how this person has now become 
part of this interdimensional reality and how they're communicating, even if they're forcefully in a situation. And, and, uh, um, you know, the hardest thing for me with the abduction stories is that I noticed that a lot of them become kind of like a Stockholm syndrome, right? If it happens over and over and over again, it's a little bit like, you know, I'm part of a bigger plan for earth and stuff like that. But to live in this place where you can't even really communicate and have, uh, you can't really tell other humans what's happening to you because they're going to think you're crazy. <laughs> and, and then this whole other reality is opening up for you and you don't know why it's happening. I just, I am, that horrifies me. And I want to know why this is happening to people. And if it's supposed to be to kind of poke us to, to really kind of understand how it all works so that we can visualize it, that we can figure it out from a quantum physics standpoint, that we can kind of join all these interdimensional realities with our species. Um, we kind of need a little bit more help, you know, a little bit more clues would help, you know, at this point. <laughs> oh, I, I hear you with that. I hear you with that. But as someone who is not an experiencer such as yourself, how do mm-hmm. you find it so easy to blend in with the people who have had that? Where did you find that emotion, that level of emotion to understand? Um, I, you know, I, you know, there's two things. I think everyone is crazy and no one is crazy at the same time. Right. I think that those two, those two outlooks on life, like really allow me to take out all of my personal judgments and and feelings about things as being Melissa in this moment in time and space. Um, because it's about the story. It's about how they tell this. It's about how they lay the story out. It's about, are they, are they are they creating a new existence, a new pattern? Are they fitting into some of the old patterns? And do those old patterns relay some kind of information? For some reason, and I don't know, I honestly don't know where it came from, but but there's a point of there's a point when I'm speaking to people where I'm able just to calculate data points very fast of all the things that I've read, you know, whether it's books or case studies. Like I'm hearing someone talk and they're telling me about, you know, it was it was three o'clock at night. It always happens in March. And then I'm remembering like all the the case files I went back and they seem to happen around the same time. They all seem to be women. You know, is this a pattern? And for me, that's more interesting than watching or listening to this person. Do I trust them? Are we on the same emotional level? All of that process is feels like a deceiving human trait that would not allow me to gather those data points so fast. So I don't know, for some reason, my brain like works that way. Like I'm just thinking about all, I mean, cause I'm constantly reading and researching uh, either books, studies, you know, old books, new books, new things coming out and calculating those data points. So um, it's actually, I'm taking the emotion out of it and yet being relatable to them because I'm not saying they're crazy. I'm, I'm acknowledging silently that they are part of a community of people that are experiencing something that at this moment in time does not seem human. Four and a half minutes ago, before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour, Melissa Tittle is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Melissa, do you wish you were an experiencer? No, I do not. 
Not at all. In fact, um, I'm not one of those people. I have, I have a podcast called Cosmic Cantina, and one of the guys on there is always talking about how he's calling in aliens and he wants to be taken in a ship. Nope, nope, that's not my job. I'm going to stay here with all the humans, and I'm going to calculate all the patterns, but I'm not wanna, I don't want to be an experiencer. <laughs> and I will tell you this. As an experiencer and as one of the very few journalists in this field that is an experiencer, mm-hmm. I need to know. I need to know so much yeah. before this. Never mind the fact that I've been taken, okay? But I need to know a lot of the little things in life. How did all of a sudden I become intuitive? I don't usually talk about that because it's so subjective. Yeah. I, I want to know you know why I've seen people like Dr. Bob McGuire or, or been on craft with Geraldine Orozco where she has memory of it. I don't. Okay. I want to know, you know, little things like why do I know I can remote view or astral travel when I've never done it before? Why am I able to channel spirits when I had never done it before or even knew what it was? Okay, there are all these little mysteries that line up that absolutely push me to my limits and many other multiple experiential limits because in the end, we don't know what we're being opened up to. We just know that we have to follow the path. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I love that. You know, so many people, this happens, 80% of the people have some kind of breaking open of psychic abilities or um, they, they have, they all of a sudden are downloaded with mathematics that they never had, or, you know, all this kind of stuff, like things are communicating. I think that there's an opening. It's almost as if something is able to switch over in your cells or your DNA structure or something that you're able now to tap into more fields than you could before. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible, and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, um, it's a wild theory with, you know, little scientific evidence. But considering 80% of the people that have this these experiences, they, they, they have gifts immediately after, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's insane because it's something that keeps you up all hours of the night. Like, this is all I want to do. All I want to do is talk about these subjects until all hours of the night. Because just maybe that phone call with you or one of the listeners or whoever else it may be might all of a sudden Mm -hmm. open up the door to an answer. Or sometimes you just want to say, stare out the window at night and wait for them to arrive. 
<laughs> it never ends. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I it's not I haven't had an experience like what we're talking about on the show so far, but I I've had many experiences with things that, um, especially when I've been on expeditions temples, locations, I have felt things. I, I all of a sudden have downloads of things. That has always been something that's been part of me and my existence. But but in the way that we're talking about it, I haven't had that kind of experience. But I do trust these experiences that I do have that are unknown, that are strange, that are weird. Um, there's been times in temples that I've been visiting where I've had missing time, where people can't find me. And I thought I was like gone for five minutes, right? Um, this that's been something that's been part of my life. But in the traditional experiencer, the experiencer type thing, I, I haven't had that. So I'm in the camp of weird, just maybe a different kind of weird. I love it. <laughs> and you know what? The, the people who are experienced, though, they need more Melissa Tittles out there. They do. They need more people who say, I may not have experienced what you have, but who am I to tell you that you're wrong? Because there's so many people within their private and personal lives, and then you add on the social media side that are telling people who've never stood in your shoes, you're wrong, you're lying, you're making this up, it's mm -hmm. imagination. Well, you know what? There's a whole different story out there. Melissa, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. What a fast first hour on Spaced Out Radio. Researcher, journalist, director, producer, Melissa Tittle is here, and we are going to get into her brand new documentary, Code 12. It sounds mysterious. I can tell you it looks awesome on Spaced Out Radio. Next, stay tuned. All right, we are clear. Just so you know, our radio side cannot hear us our YouTube and podcast side can. So it's okay. a little bit of a mixture here, but I loved that first half hour. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're such a good interviewer. Well, it's the beard. It's the power of the beard. <laughs> you know, that's why you I, imagine if I had a beard. I don't know if I'd be a better interviewer. You, or you, not. <laughs> you, you would totally, not going to lie. You would look a little Amish if you did that. Oh yeah, we uh, we're uh, having a lot of fun this year, a lot of fun, and I think if twenty twenty four, if it's as exciting as people are making it out to be, because I'm starting to hear a lot more than the, especially in the UFO world, that there's going to be some serious stuff that breaks in twenty twenty four. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna send us all for a major major loop, and that is gonna be awesome, just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think new stuff is coming out all the time. It's really uh, well, we can talk about it on the pod, on when we go live, but it's just it has to do with human consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's just all there, all the information. Oh, it's just we need more people to be on board with the thought, and then it all comes to light. Oh, I agree. 100% I agree. And uh, the phenomena doesn't seem to be holding back anymore. It's like it's mm -mm. shifted into sixth gear and is just ready to rock and roll for anybody who wants to open up to it. Yep. I love that. 
Mm-hmm. We're on the same page. Hey, Dirty Filth, what are you drawing? He always forgets to turn his microphone on. It's uh, safer that way. Are you underground in a desert somewhere? Yes. Oh. Let's take a look. What desert? Look at those labs, those human embryo labs. (laughs) I can't really see it yet, but there's an alien and Sasquatch and a mantid in there. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Very nice. And a crashed UFO and a treasure chest. Cool. You sell these after the after the broadcast? They're usually available. Cool. Yes. I I stopped to have some lunch before the show and I was drawing a cartoon at the bar and some random guy's like That's really cool. I was like, Do you want to take it home? He's like, I'll buy it from him. Like, you can just have it. He goes, I'll give you ten bucks. I go, Okay. So I took ten bucks for a little sketch. Worked out good. Paid for my fries. Did you have ketchup on the side or on top? They only give it to you if you ask for it these days. I forgot to ask for it. I didn't really care. Yeah, when the hell did restaurants start becoming so cheap with ketchup? Any condiments, really. Except for salt and pepper. You know, just... Well, the problem is sometimes people go crazy with it if they're upset. By the way, that was a nice uh, first half hour... Uh, blob sighting. Very nice. She's been running around. I don't know where she went. She went somewhere. After clawing me, jumping down. Mm-hmm. The, the gargoyle is with her as well. Oh, yeah? She's like her little protector now. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a picture later, Dave. Love it. Love More it. More blobs. Yes. Yes. What do I have here? Did I did I show you these from the weekend? I actually was out in the forest and was... Sasquatch poop. No, I wish it was. I wish it was. All weekend, I was surrounded by wild horses. All weekend. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this these were the five I saw on... Uh, on Sunday. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love horses. Including, uh, come on, baby, where are you? There's the baby. There's the baby. Oh, I love horses. Yeah, we ran into three different packs this weekend. How many were in about, we're in, um, are they called packs? I don't even know what they're called. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But, uh, yeah, we oh. ran into three different uh, uh, sets of uh, horses this past weekend, which was nice. Hi, Zoria. How you doing? Uh, thank you to W. David Page for the super chat. And next half hour, I'm going to tell you all about the update in Vega or in Reno. Here we go, everybody.
Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott, and we are looking for stories just like yours. Reminder to all of you that if you've had or missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And you can join us on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. All right, we continue on with documentarian, journalist, all-round great person. Melissa Tittle is here tonight talking about her brand-new documentary, Code 12. Now, Melissa, right off the bat, the one thing that, that captivated me right in the, in the uh, trailer of the, of the documentary was you said something about dreams, that you had been dreaming as a child about a lot of this phenomena. I think that yeah. through through everything that I've seen on this film, that was probably one of the most important lines that I think you used. You have a plethora of brains from William Henry, Billy Carson, uh, Walter Bosley, another good friend of this show, and many others in here. But the fact that you targeted you as a child with a dream, I think it really showed some innocence within what you were doing. Talk to me about that, please. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I struggled with that because um, I was like, I was breaking kind of my fourth wall a little bit as um, a journalist. Like we just talked about how like, you know, I'm, I, I try to really keep with the patterns and everything. But, you know, I had to kind of explain an, a pattern that was happening to me on a personal level that was just so odd that I couldn't explain it. Um, again, wasn't an, an alien experience, but I was, I would have this dream ever since I was about 10 of, um, and it was the same every time. It's like, I could taste the sand. It, it was, I was in a, a certain desert. It had like a certain, it was a certain kind of look to it. Um, and I was the person that was walking in the desert and I was holding the staff and it's completely desolate. And I would pick one place and I would put the staff down into the sand. And when I did that, these concentric circles would come up underneath the sand and kind of ripple out around me and then from the center. And then 12 spokes would come from that center and light up and then the dream would end. Um, as a kid, it was like, okay, that's kind of cool, whatever. Nothing. Th- but then it kept happening. And as I got older... Um, I just thought, wow, that is really weird. And then another thing started happening to me. I started counting. <laughs> now it's going to sound like I'm crazy. Um, I started counting. Um, I would count everything. If if it had, if so, if things would be in threes, um, I would take note of it. Like it was really weird. Like I'd count stairs. Like if there are multiples of three, this is so odd. It's just like, I don't know where it came from. I don't like. No, I had no idea. It wasn't until I was working on Ancient Aliens, uh, the first season, where I started to really, I got all the, I understood all the stuff, right? You know, I got hired as a job. They're like, you know, come on, 
write, write this show about blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, I felt a piece of me being activated because I understood this stuff on a deeper level. But the show Ancient Aliens has a certain pattern to it. And that's how we write the show. You know, it, it's this and then it's this and then it's that. Right. And so at this moment in time, I started thinking to myself, there's something else going on here. There's something else in all these places in these stories that no one is noticing. And I don't know what it is, but, but I'm, I'm going to keep taking notes of things that are odd and, and stand out against the narrative where everyone is looking. And so that took me over the course of 10 years, kind of keeping those images in my head, concentric circles, 12 spoked wheels, um, this obsession with the, the counting, right? And, and when I would notice some of these things when I was writing these stories and researching and at these temples and shooting out in the field, I would just take note of it because no one's really interested in it. They have one narrative and not because anybody's doing anything wrong. They're just, they're just here. They're looking over here and I'm looking over here. And so finally I got to the point where I, I think I'm building some, I'm building a story here. This, the, they're connected. This is not a new concept. The fact that there's a worldwide civilization that existed a long time ago, maybe it's connected to Atlantis. This is not a new story. People have talked about this for a long time. But what I'm saying is that there's a mechanism of how it all works and we're all still part of it. And what the ancient temples text uh, and understanding left behind is not only what the infrastructure is, but possibly how to get out of it, how to how to understand what it is and how to escape it. And, and that is what kind of started out as this, this dream I kept having. And then it, it turned into these images that I kept seeing the, these, these multiples of three, the, the, the wheel that's in everything, uh, the, but the 12, but specifically 12 spokes, some cultures have nine, but mostly 12. Um, and then the concentric circles. And, and that is what has got me on this crazy journey. <laughs> the mission you put yourself on. Okay. It almost is like the, serious side of the movie the never-ending story yes okay where yes and i do too and i could and i could just hear the the song in my head right now and i want to sing it so bad if if you want to do edit we could totally do edit okay but but the idea the point that i'm getting at is this because people are going to be like huh what what does this have the never-ending story was about about all of these different paths and tales that you take in fiction, that you go into dreamland and take into fiction. The, mm-hmm. the difference mm-hmm. is, or where the similarity is, we're doing the same thing here, but we're using reality and the codes and the clues that Mother Earth and whoever else has left for us. And nobody's deciphering them. Nobody, we're trying, but we're say only you focus on the Egyptian uh, pyramids, or we're only focused on the Nazca lines, or we're only focused on uh, UFOs because the government is now saying that they may be real, or we're only focused on on timelines or whatever it may be. And right. very few are actually noticing that it's all as one. It's all together. Yes. The phenomena. Yes. So I want to ask you about that. Is the phenomena, in your opinion, playing us 
Or is it something that is showing us that we're here, we've always been here, and people just need to wake up and see the clues? <laughs> Great question. Um, so if anybody's familiar with the simulation theory, um, there's a pretty famous guy, uh, Oxford philosopher named Nick Bostrom. Um, Nick has written several books on the simulation theory and why he 100% thinks it's real. Smart guy. One of his uh, one of his theories of why he thinks it exists is called the is called the ancestor simulation or the ancestor um, ancestor theory, and that is that once we hit a certain advanced status in our species, whatever that is, we then create a simulation in our likeness. Now, what does that story sound like? If you are into ancient civilization, um, the Anunnaki story is verbatim what Nick Bostrom is talking about uh, for the future of, of why ancestors create simulations. And, and the Anunnaki say that they, uh, and even some of the ancient texts in the Bible, created in our likeness. We created these beings in our likeness. God created Adam and Eve in his likeness, right? It's like, so there's this idea, I'm, I'm talking mostly about Nick Bostrom's ancestor idea, that you create that we get to a certain advancement and we are able then to create our own simulation within our within our own simulation. So if you imagine the universe like a big Russian doll and each layer is communicating with the other. Uh, now, one thing that I point out in my documentary that I interview somebody about is that, you know, is he, he's uh, this computer engineer. He says, well, if we live in a simulation, you're asking the wrong question because if you are a simulated being and the simulation didn't want you to ask that question, they would erase you. They would erase your mind. They would, they would steer you off the next direction so that you wouldn't ask that question. But the fact that we are having this discussion means that the purpose of our evolution is to figure it out, is to become that ancestor who then creates an assimilation in their likeness, which is what Nick Bostrom is, is pointing to. And all the great, um, and I don't know if you want to call them great, but, you know, quantum physicists, um, you know, Elon Musk and those kind of people, they're all getting together and they're talking about how the possibility that we live in a simulation is so real, given the fact that we're creating simulations that people cannot distinguish from our current reality. And so we are now at a precipice where are we becoming, are we on the verge of becoming that ancestor? And if we are, then we need to know, we need to understand how the universe works and who our ancestor is. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. That's, that's, that's this disclosure that's that understanding. We have to understand this because we need to progress the universe in and from our likeness at this moment. Are we winning that? Or are we just starting to open up our eyes to see it? Because the way I look at it, there's still a number of billion of people on this planet who don't understand or do not want to understand for one other reason or the other, whether it's religion or too egocentric into their own lives that there is more to to just nice clothes uh an electric vehicle the picket fence and you know maybe a cat or two (laughs) 
what about a dog? Well, <laughs> true. Um, well, progression with any species is the is is um is not pretty, right? Like we're not all going to wake up at the same time. And there's a, there's a reason for that because it would be complete mass chaos. Not that it wouldn't be chaos if aliens like, like completely landed in the front of the, of the white house and said, we're here and talk to us and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, but we, um, the, the actual reprogramming of the human species is part of the process. So our attachment to these belief systems that at one point united us um, are making us small right now. They're not part of the evolution of where we're going. And most humans know this. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But but it's the it's that reprogramming of one's mind. Like, like the, one of the, the, the most famous lines um, in philosophy is know thyself. So we spend most of our lives trying to fit into another group of humans so that we can survive. That's one of our survival techniques. That's one of our emotional uh, components as a human species is to relate with other humans so we can survive because we survive together. But in that process, we build these belief systems that are now kind of crumbling our ability to understand how the universe works. But that reprogramming of what that means to be human together is part of the process that we must go through. And it will not happen overnight. Um, and a lot of the people that are maybe listening to this that have had experiences like yourself, um, these are experiences that are kind of forced upon you to jump years ahead of your progression so that you can really understand or start questioning what your existence means as a human in this existence, but to all of the existences that you might've experienced. And, um, and, and, and that is speeding up. It's speeding up right now. So many people are having experiences. So much data is coming out. It's getting to the point where the people holding on to the belief systems know that there's not going to be many humans that are going to believe what they believe. So we just have to keep going. We've got to keep inserting new concepts into our, our conscious morphogenic field that connects all of us to get to that next level. And, um, you know, just that the phenomenon itself is increasing. It, it's, there's so many cases, there's so many people saying, I want to know what happened to me. I want to know why this, I don't understand this. And that is so important. And I think that we are getting very close 
to not only figuring out what our purpose is in the universe, but who made possibly us and what the structure is all about. Do you think the phenomena in going through all of the ancient, and we're going to get into this more in the next half hour with where you visited Mm -hmm. from, from Egypt to, to all around the world regarding your questions. Do you think the phenomena is godly is God or something completely different that we have not figured out yet? Hmm. I mean, what is God? You don't even know what that is, but but there is some origin point. And, you know, if I bring it to quantum physics, there is some kind of origin point. There's an origin point. Now you don't even have to, we could just go to the big bang or we could, we could go to beyond the big bang. There is some origin point. First, there was, the word, right? First there was, and then there was light, right? So there's there's something that there is an origin point. And so if, if we want to call that God, you want to call that some kind of quantum physics reaction in space and time, whatever it is, there is an origin point. And understanding that origin point and how everything propagated into its structure is what we must learn to understand our place in and where we are and all the phenomenon that's happening around us. Um, I think what like stuff like Star Trek and Star Wars is, is in some way so relatable is because in some way in the back of our head, we know maybe past lives or, or just some kind of weird relaxed vision that we can be with all of these beings in space. Like we already know that for some reason. That's why it's so comfortable. It's not just because it's a sci-fi film and it's fun and and it's got great characters. There's something really relatable about these shows that, that we know that we are part of that. We just are living in this spot where we must really be able to program our own space. Uh, you know, one thing, um, if anybody knows who Michio Kaku is, big quantum physicist, he's more, he's mostly mainstream. He's on a lot of History Channel, Discovery Channel shows. I've interviewed him a couple of times. You know, he, he talks about that we are at a zero civilization. To get to a one civilization, we must disregard uh, the way that we use energy on this planet today. We have to learn how to harness the energy of the sun. Uh, and in doing so, that provides resources for everyone that there's no there's no hierarchy in resources because by harnessing the power of the sun we everybody has all their needs met right so now that's a one civilization that that harnessing the power of the sun also gets us into space right as uh, two civilization two is we're living in space we're, we're star trek we're star wars we're flying around we have ships we're going to different planets that kind of thing so if you think about it, we're zero and we have to get to one and right now we're arguing about belief systems and, and if this person is telling the truth or not. But to, to be able to become part of something bigger, we must be able to look at things differently. And I think like I know I'm talking philosophically here and we want to get into like scary fun stuff. But the idea that we live in a simulation and that the, the whole point of the ancients leaving behind this information is so that we can understand this process and we can learn how to use it to our benefit to join them and the rest of the 
the simulation, if you will, because remember, it doesn't end. It's like once you get out of this one, it doesn't end, right? If you think about the Russian doll model, <laughs> that, um, that we are much bigger than we think we are. And, and I think right now we're on that precipice. We're asking those questions because we have to. We got four and a half minutes before we have to go to break at the top of the hour. Melissa Tittle is talking about her brand new documentary, Code 12. Okay, does the number 12 signify anything deep to you? Because 12 seems to be a very popular number, whether it's time, (laughs) zodiac, the calendar, whatever it may be. Just your thoughts on the 12. So um, in 12, in, in, uh, I'll go back to quantum physics. So in, in quantum physics, the, the fastest way to travel through space and time is to use a dodecahedron shape, which is 12 faces. And then you go through the center, uh, propagating space through the center, which is number 13, right? I'm, I'm talking in points, right? So faces of dodecahedron, you know, and we're talking numbers. Um, this is how you travel through space, Uh as far as moving a ship through space, we haven't figured that out. But, but the the, flaw, the the process, but the idea is that maybe aliens have. Now, in ancient text, the weirdest thing is that in every ancient text, no matter what it is, uh, I, I, I like every single one of them, there is a story that is what people get obsessed with. The story of Solomon's temple and, you know, could the light of the Ark of the Covenant could have been God or aliens or ship or something like that. But what every one of these stories set, talks about and, and, and says in it, they keep explaining everything in 12. Like what can somebody, somebody say to, can somebody explain to me why I need to know the dimensions and, and the height of Solomon's temple, unless the, 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 all of those numbers are a code leading to something else. You know, somebody can say, well, because, you know, it, it's a ship or, or whatever. You know, I think I've written that in Ancient Aliens before. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that there's no reason for the story, because the story is supposed to be an emotional story to teach you about something else. But in all these components, no matter what religious text it is, they're always explaining things in 12s. Now, if we go back to quantum physics and we understand that this is how the universe works, this is how you travel through space and time, this is how you're able to communicate with something bigger outside of your existence, is is using these components, wouldn't it make sense that, that this random explanation of 12 sheep and goats and cows and and the, the, the 12 stars of blah, 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 and the, and the 12 came and separated into 12 pieces. All this has to do with a bigger understanding of our universe. And this is what I started to discover. But I started to find it in uh, some of the new discoveries that are happening with DNA. Like the, the idea that they, they have proof now that, that on a cellular level, on our, our, our DNA level, that we are coded for three proteins right now. But at one point, we were coded for 12. Okay, so now we're back to 12 again. And, and it just keeps going it, with, with all different studies, whether it's archaeology, um, um, you know, re- reading religious spiritual texts, um, understanding the, the construction of a building. It, it's like they, they left this behind so we really could get what we were the process we're supposed to go to you know like when your your parents are like they know that they you have to go through something and they're watching you 
And I feel that's what they left behind. They're like, okay, they're going to mess this up. But if we leave this here, it's going to withstand the test of time and they're going to keep looking at it. And then maybe someday someone will figure it out. (laughs) I hear you. You know, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to hour number two because there are so many clues out there that you have found looking into code 12 that I think we'd be remiss not going over some of these. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it very vague at this point because we do want people to tune in in hour number two to learn what some of these clues you found were that kind of start tying the puzzle pieces together. Because the one thing we know about this whole phenomena, it is a puzzle, but we don't have the color mm-hmm. side up. We got the back side <laughs> that we're trying to put together. Melissa Tittle from Coda 12 is here tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. The clues to the phenomena are right in front of our noses. We'll learn where they are right after this. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Hot damn, this is a good show tonight. Good show. Oh, good. Yes. I'm Sometimes go- I'm like thinking, I'm like, am I making any sense? Oh, you're making <laughs> I'm following along. I, I'm like I said, I was pumped up for this. Pumped up. Sweet. All right. Dirty, what do you got for us there, big guy? Oh, now we got creatures in there. I'm gonna quickly step away. We got about five and a half minutes, okay? Okay, I'm gonna grab some more coffee. All right. Dirty, there you go. It's your show, buddy. <coughs> Don't forget to turn your mic on. Everybody, we're getting drunk and playing ping pong now, if I'm running the show. Hi, everybody. My other normal computer that I type with is being super laggy. Otherwise, I would have said hi to everybody. So, hi, everybody now. This is... I know a couple guys, and this is what's actually underneath the Skinwalker Ranch. They got their little bodies and things under there, so shouldn't tell anybody about it, but I'm spilling the beans here. Hi, hi, Ange, Tim, Tim Beard, Kira, Max, and Apple. Ping. Yeah, Arrival is a great film. And, by the way, people have been bugging me. My second book is just being edited, and the calendar is all done. I'm just waiting for my web witch to do all the web witchy things that she... That, that, uh... Oh, cats. That they're they're, they're going to do it anyways. Anyways, I'm rambling. But I'll, I'll let everybody know when the book comes out and hi hi lovely julie and when the calendar is ready they'll be ready before the end of the month so you can get it for christmas what are the things in the tubes oh no it's a gray alien a bigfoot and a mantid being of some sort i've what i've never really drawn too many mantids so i figure i'll start drawing them now what you talking about max 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, crashed alien treasure chest, and he's going along with his little crowd penetrating radar thing. This is it was inspired by the Skinwalker Ranch episode. I had to catch up on that. I'm terrible. I don't watch enough TV. It just puts me to sleep. Pretty much, if I sit down, I fall asleep. Except when I'm drawing cartoons. That's that's pretty much it. It's, it's a curse in a way. They're, they're the little orbs that they that they seen. Not not science bobs orbs. Those are different orbs. Those with a little bit of ghostiness to them. You can see the ethereal powder floating among them. Hi, Ann Palmer. Hmm. Uncle traveling that exploring outer space. We have a, a tic tac I threw in there, if that counts. It's tech, call it a weather balloon if you want. It's all, it's all weather balloons and swamp gas or whatever, apparently. I thought it was funny when he's like, I plan to hang out the window of the, or the door of the helicopter and do some like FLIR scanning. And they're like, yep, no problem. I still think that Brian Fugel should invite me to Skinwalker Ranch so I can draw cartoons there. You know, I don't think they've ever had a Canadian there. So, or a cartoon guy. So that would, you get a double whammy. Yes. <sighs> <It's> ch- <laughs> uh. I think ground penetrating radar would be pretty cool. I'd go to the beach and find all types of cool coins and stuff. Looking good, Dirty. Looking good. Thanks, Dave. I combed my hair today, too. Yeah, you're bald. You are bald. Yeah, I know. Hey, I want to remind everybody, May 10th through 12th, 2024, we have the third annual SOR fan party in Reno, Nevada. It is at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. You're all invited. Every single one of you is invited to join us, and we are going to have a wonderful time. We got special guests coming for you. We have many other uh, things that was going to go on: a free radio show, VIP party. We have a ghost hunt putting uh, uh, that Merle's going to put on. We have UFO sky Merle. watches, Merle. Merle tomorrow night, by the way. We got a lot going on, and guess what? Hotel prices have just dropped to one thirty-nine a night at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. Book now while the prices are low. May tenth through twelfth at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. Mm. Thank you to W. David Page, Simon, and Simon, and Mama Catherine for the super chats. Here we go with our number two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. 
and on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate bringing the woo to all of you. I want to say hello to everyone <laughs> listening in to our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. You can join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. And what do you got for us, Cl- uh, Clam? Xenogenis. Xenogenis is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Here we go with Hour 2 of Melissa Tittle and her new documentary, Code 12, The Mysteries of the Universe. Are they answered in this film? We're going to find out here <laughs> in Hour 2. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. We need to start off by by asking so you... Where, so pressure. Where can our listeners find Code 12? So right now... Um... Uh, Amazon Prime, Code 12 is on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's only in the U.S. and the U.K. right now. But I will be putting the movie as well as all the extra footage of the interviews of all the people that are in it uh, on an online platform end of January. Any country can uh, – anybody in any country can download it. Um, the Just a little nerd background on mainstream. It just takes so long to get all the countries – uh, sold. So I just want to make sure people can watch it. I'm getting emails from people. Like I just got an email from people from Turkey today that they heard about it. So I want to make it available. So if you can go to, uh, the website, um, code 12, the movie.com sign up for the mailing list, and we will send you when that, if you're not in the U S or in the UK, uh, we will let you know when that platform is up and uh, you can watch it as well as all the extended interviews that did not make the movie. See, that's what drives me nuts about living in Canada. We're so close and yet we're so far away from getting these. It, it drives me nuts. You know, that's why I yeah. have Amazon and 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 Netflix is, is for this type of stuff. And I got to wait. I got to wait. And it's. Oh, it drives me crazy. But I know. Here's I know. one. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, it's not your fault. I blame them. I totally blame them. But yeah. hey, they got their ways, and one day we'll shake it out of them. We will shake it out of them. <laughs> Melissa, Code 12 has a number of different symbols from around the world that mm-hmm. really lead you to believe that they are a part of this mystery of solving really what earth, what life is all about in there. Mm -hmm. You, you show the Nazca lines, you show the Egyptian pyramids, you show crop circles. How do these all show up as clues to you? Well, if we go back to my dream 
Uh, one of the, the, the first images is that concentric circle. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at mandelcdjr.com. Right. And I'm in the center of it. Um, so I started looking into that. And, and, and one of the things that always fascinated me about the story of Atlantis is obviously we have an island of concentric circles. Um, and I started thinking one day, I thought maybe the idea of the island being concentric circles is a metaphor for something else. And, um, you know, I thought, well, Okay, well, let me let me test that with some interviews, you know, what they think of that. Like, does, is it, I'm, I'm off base because I always think of like the way Plato tells the story. Okay, so it's an island, um, you know, past the pillars of Hercules, right? And there's lots of people that believe they think they know where it is or wherever. Uh, it's supposed to be in the Atlantic. It fell. But it it's an island of concentric circles. Why is this point important? And so I started looking at the story from a place of a metaphor. And when I started looking at a place of a metaphor, I realized that the idea of the concentric circle is, is on cave walls that are hundreds of thousands of years old, right? The concentric circle is like a human thing that everybody just keeps drawing for some reason. <laughs> and w- whether it's in their consciousness or it literally means something else, it's everywhere. It's in every culture. It, it's a very simple thing. Um, when people see concentric circles in uh, a cave or we see them in the Nazca lines or they're even in uh, the Book of the Dead, there's there's uh, certain um, people in the Book of the Dead holding concentric circles like a snake coiled up like a concentric circle. Um, and there's all sorts of meanings for this. But but what but what it started to unravel itself as is is the representation of a frequency, a, um, an understanding of a frequency. And so when Plato tells the story of Atlantis in the concentric circles, I think what he was, he was it, it's a metaphor for a, a level of like a, a frequency, being in touch with a certain frequency. And now let's go back to aliens and deduction stories, Bigfoot, all the crazy unknown stuff, paranormal activity. What's the one thing that everybody says it happens? Maybe while they're having the experience, maybe before it happens. There's a couple things that always happen, right? It gets cold, right? It's um, they, they have missing they have missing time. There's this this uh, there's the Oz effect where everything goes really quiet all of a sudden. All of these pieces of that puzzle, that pattern, are a change in frequency. All right, so we'll continue on with my. My, my crazy story with the concentric circles. Um, so what I think that these are a representation are is a, is a change in frequency, a, a modulation of something. Uh, so when I started going down that path, you know, I found myself interviewing Maria Wheatley. If you know Maria Wheatley, she does a lot of um, 
energy testing, dousing at some ancient sites. She's known a lot for Stonehenge, uh, but she's been to a lot of ancient sites that she's able to actually sketch out um, these, uh, how the energies all work together. And, and one of the things that the concentric circle represents is a, uh, a feminine energy, a flow of water in her case, if it's, if she's dousing, um, or an energy point that is uh, a frequency that is in one area. Now, what Maria has figured out in most of these places, these, these circular structures, whether it's Gobeki Tepe, Stonehenge, another type of uh, structure that's round, um, is that most of them have built a structure of which concentric circles, the, the way that the dowsing sheep can pick up lay lines, which are straight, and then the, and the um, telluric lines, which are the circular lines, they're all represented there. The telluric lines are underneath that, the, those old structures. Now, the, the ley lines create, especially at Stonehenge, a 12-pointed star within the structure. So what we have here uh, and what I talk about in, in, as we get into the documentary is that these symbols are representations of we're going to go back to our one space-time, how the universe works, right? So the concentric circle is a representation of a frequency, and the wheel or the 12-pointed star is the, the uh, propagation through space-time. And one of the things that happened in 2003, um, there was a, a French um, <clears throat> quantum physicist, his name's Jean-Pierre Luminet. I'm probably saying this wrong. If anybody's French, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he had been working on, uh, topography of the universe. He's a specialist in black holes and what they've discovered. Now, I don't even know why this is not big news. This is in 2003. So this is like a million years ago, but they discovered through mapping out the universe that the universe was shaped like a finite dodecahedron, that there was an end to the universe this one that we know, what's beyond that, we don't know, but it is shaped like a 12-faced dodecahedron. <clears throat> and this is mind-blowing because we also have that same kind of study from Plato's work on um, the structure of the earth being a dodecahedron. If, if anybody's a huge Greek and Roman buff, there's, there's, all the, there's an obsession with a lot of their philosophy with dodecahedrons and you know everyone's like that's really great they really like that shape but it's into this understanding of how uh from the universe down to just our structure of our planet down to every molecule of structure <clears throat> is shaped like a 12-faced dodecahedron so the idea of this these concentric circles that just are very beautiful and all over and just they're, you know, everyone has very different ideas of what they are. I think that they're part of this understanding of this, this frequency that if you tap into it, you're able then to <clears throat> move through this um, dodecahedron space time. Love it. Love it. <clears throat> the connections that are on different, <laughs> that's okay. The connections that you find on different continents 
for many of us, myself included, there is no way we would be able to tie them together. Okay. It's just either our minds are too vague to understand, or we haven't mm-hmm. gone back far enough to understand uh, how the hieroglyphics and everything works and puts things together. How were you able to bring it all together in order to, to really come to a, a logical conclusion? Well, this is where um, science meets spiritual love and light. <clears throat> the idea that we're all one isn't too far off. So I think a lot of people on this podcast probably heard of a morphogenic field. But the morphogenic field theory came uh, was really became prominent when the 100th monkey was published. Uh, this was a scientific study. They were studying monkeys in Japan. So they were specifically studying these monkeys in um this island off the coast of Japan. And, and uh, they were noticing that they couldn't eat these sweet potatoes because they didn't know how to eat them. They didn't know how to peel them or anything. And, and one monkey figured it out. <clears throat> and so it passed on to the other monkeys they were watching. I'm like, oh, that's how you eat the sweet potatoes. Once it got to the hundredth monkey on that island, a very strange phenomenon occurred. On the mainland of Japan, all of a sudden, the monkeys figured out, the same species of monkeys figured out how to eat the sweet potatoes. Now, the monkeys from the island didn't come over on a little boat with seven wise men and teach everybody how to wash and eat the sweet potatoes on the mainland of Japan, which is one of the stories that is told about why we all have pyramids all over the place. Um, But I think it's because what this theory proved was that this species was communicating in a, some kind of field and that all of them had access to pick up the information without talking about it. Like all of a sudden one of them figured it out and they were like, okay, now we're all going to do that thing with the sweet potatoes. And I think that is what is happening with the human species. And, and this is what the scientific study propagated was that <clears throat> If it's happening with a species of monkeys, that means that humans have a morphogenic field. And I think that when we, if we, if we were, and I think that we possibly were, we're at some kind of higher frequency. We talk about this a lot. People say it in passing, a golden age, you know, back to a time when we had certain abilities or, you know, even the Bible talks about people living for 200 years. What does that all mean? So I think that there's this morphogenic field that we're all grabbing where we already know all of this ancient knowledge and people then and humans that lived in different continents in different areas, they were all taking the same information and they were building the pyramids with the same plan and aligning it to Sirius or or, um, to a certain uh, solstice or equinox. And, And that was because they all were able to download that from the field that they knew this was important. Now we have lost that connection we don't really know why it's important to do all that stuff. We think it's pretty cool, but, but it's not like a mainstay in our lives to align ourselves to these stars and uh, the solstices and equinoxes. Now <clears throat> it's still there and we are aware of it, but 
Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at MandelCDJR.com. Want to give yourself a great gift for the holidays? Make your money work for you with Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Sunbelt offers a 10-month certificate earning 5.40% annual percentage yield, or for 18 months earn 5.60% APY, with just a $500 minimum deposit for both certificates. Visit a Sunbelt branch office today or go to sunbeltfcu.org. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. We are not using it. So this is where I think the morphogenic field has all the information we need to not only understand where we are right now, but where we've been and where we can go. Uh, it's just our ability to tap into it. And so the theory is, is that whatever that calculation is for the human species, once you get to that certain number, then it just becomes reality. So we are at a point now with disclosure uh, with the alien conversation, where once we get to a certain number of humans that are like, no, it's really real, it's happening, they already live among us, then it's just reality. And it happens. And that is pretty mind-blowing. So this, this, uh, st this kind of work that I'm doing is really unraveling those pieces that are already there, that everybody knows that's inside of them. And they know that answer and just getting them to understand that they have access to it. Melissa Tittle is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio, talking about her brand new documentary, Code 12, which could be found on Amazon, which you definitely, definitely want to watch. Not right now, <laughs> because we're doing the radio show, but like, <laughs> like after, that would be kind of cool. That'd be cool if you did. Melissa, definitely cool. The, the idea that, you know, a lot of these a lot of these hieroglyphics, a lot of these uh, things, I think of the Nazca lines, ancient Egypt, they're all clues to ancient aliens, alien mm -hmm. theory. How much of what you have learned is defined by some sort of extraterrestrial or, or ultra-terrestrial presence? Hmm. That's a good question because who, <clears throat> who, who created that knowledge? Well, if we go back to the ancestor simulation, um, there's a really comp important component that that I discover, and and I'm not saying that I'm right, but but it. It is interesting, and it's in the Egyptian emerald tab emerald tablets, and that's where Toth talks about the fall of Atlantis and how he built this great this the Great Pyramid uh, to be some kind of frequency device, some some machine that was able to relay a frequency. Now, I'm I'm paraphrasing what's in the emerald tablets. It's a it's a very hard, confusing read, but. But he's basically saying, I built this thing so that um, we could stabilize the planet. That was the point of, of the Great Pyramid. Now, he talks about the fall of Atlantis. It's not so much that 
that they misuse that the people misuse their power. What he does warn is that at some point that he, that the race of beings, you know, we don't know if they were aliens or humans or maybe the a hybrid, right? That there was some kind of darkness that got into the blood of man. And I don't know what that means. It could be interpreted into many things. Did something change with our DNA? But whatever it is, he built this pyramid to stabilize this darkness. And then that stabilized the planet. Now, what that says to me is that he built a new field that cut us off from our our divinity, our eternal uh, connection that we that we that we had at that point in time and and made us into these third dimensional beings in this kind of trap situation for possibly a good reason. But now we're kind of trying to see our way out of it. So the information that comes down to reinforce the simulation. Now, when I say that, like, think about this, like spirituality is one thing. Religion is another. So religion all of a sudden becomes implemented. Or let's say for the sake of this conversation, because we'll talk about the Anunnaki 6,000 years ago uh, with laws and rules and, you know, things bad are going to happen to you if you disrupt this God or goddess or whatever, Now, that seems like a reinforcement. So the people believe in the simulation, that they are no longer godly. They have no access to outside powers. So there does seem to be something communicating with these these beings, uh, these humans that are open to communicating with something outside the simulation to give them this direction to teach the people to do this so that they reinforce the simulation. Now, you... Now, who are those beings? You know, is this Toth? Is this that that race of beings that were once here during the Atlantean times? I, I don't know. But it does seem like an outside force is communicating with these kind of <clears throat> these these humans that are then told to give this knowledge to the people. <coughs> I'm dying. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. We got two minutes. Before we have a break <laughs> at the bottom of the hour. Um, so, so, so that, so this is a really interesting point because if they are, if they're doing that, they want people to believe in it. Now, so this gets to the, the best point of the simulation. There, there is a structure, but the only way that it exists is because we believe in it. And that is what that um, all of like ancient aliens is based on like something outside of our existence comes in, tells us to do all this stuff, gives us all this direction. uh, And then we believe it. And then we create this civilization that we cannot get ourselves out of. And, And this is the big component of it, of that, that we are the prison we've created that of which was started, but we, we have the way out. The way out just seems so far fetched. It seems so far away, and I'm not sure we really do know the way out, you know. But do you think that, you know, maybe I'll simplify the question a little bit. Do you think that an extraterrestrial presence or an ultra-terrestrial presence helped lead mankind to create a lot of these ciphers that are out there, whether it's, you know, the pyramids and what they're actually used for, whether it's Atlantis do you think there was that human ET relationship? 
Definitely. But again, I'll go back to the fact that we had access to all that. <laughs> like I said in the last hour of the like Star Wars or Star Trek, like there is some part of our psyche that knows that we've had relations with other beings that aren't necessarily human. And and at one point we got cut off from that. We couldn't see it anymore. We're not we're no longer communicating with them unless unless through an experience or a dream or or some kind of glitch in the matrix, right? So I feel that we were living among that, like we we existed, we coexisted. That doesn't mean we were peaceful all the time, but but there was a coexistence to that. And and we've gotten cut off. And we're all trying to understand it because we all know somewhere deep in our psyche that it makes a lot more sense that we would all coexist. I love it. I love it. When we return on Spaced Out Radio for our final half hour with Melissa Tittle tonight, we are going to take some audience questions that have built up in our YouTube chat room, and we're going to ask Melissa those questions because we love our audience participation around here. (laughs) Code 12, which can be found on Amazon right now, especially if you're in the United States. Make sure you check it on out. Live the creation of what we may be with Code 12, created, directed, produced by Melissa Tittle. We love her around here. Even though she comes around as often as Howley's Comet, we'll be right back (laughs) on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Hmm. That's a little Canadian. Well, I'd love to come on more. You know what? We talked about it, but... You were really caught up with the television shows, and, and yeah, yeah, and, and we're yeah, busy with that. <clears throat> Starting your own company is no small feat. <clears throat> you know, it sounds so glorious and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like most of my <laughs> like building a company that's going to succeed is is like accountants and lawyers, and it's like no fun. <laughs> and then you get like. <laughs> You get to finally get a movie out, and you're like, okay, good. That's that's keeping me going. <laughs> Be honest. How many different movies or documentaries do you have lined up right now? Um, I'm going to be releasing another one in a couple months, hopefully. Um, and then I have a couple other things that I'm, like, waiting for. That'll be pretty big. Ooh. I hope you can't get say it. anything else. That. I hope you secrets. Get it. I hope you get it. Me too. Me too. Is the goal just documentaries, or is it to get that television series out there that could maybe be the next Ancient Aliens or whatever it may be? That would be great. That would be awesome. That'd be great. I just think that there's just so much, you know, everything that I'm talking about in Code 12, there's so many tangents. Like, I'd love to really figure out how these craft or how these beings are able to travel. And if my theory is correct, I just I just don't have any evidence of that. Like, I'd love to figure that out. If we could figure that component out, we would understand how they're able to communicate with us. Because there's got to be some code to that. Communication? Uh, telepathy. <laughs> Yeah, but how how does that work? Again, we're tapping into that frequency. How does it? I don't know. I don't know. It's lots of just just so much cool stuff out there. Mm Hmm. Now you got me thinking. Damn you.
Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at MandelCDJR.com. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union presents a golden holiday opportunity. Start with a $500 certificate of deposit, then choose from 10 months at 5.40% annual percentage yield or 18 months at 5.60% APY. So why not take them up on this golden holiday opportunity at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union? Stop by any Sunbelt branch office or visit sunbeltfcu.org. Secure your future with smart savings. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. I didn't want to think tonight. <laughs> Man, it, you know, I hate saying it because it just sounds so love and light, but it is all frequency. Yes. That's, that's everything. Everything is about that. The tone of my voice tells people on a subconscious level how I really feel about things, you know, without me talking, I, without even saying the words. It's it's not just – crazy? I, I don't think it's just frequency, though. I think it's also – um, the ability to, oh, what, what's the word? There's bio from their end, not ours. It's like it's biological as well. So mm. you know, like mm-hmm. when you, when you talk to people who have flown the craft, the craft became one with them. You know, yes, yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. So it, it's much more than just just a a. a a mental connection. It's a biological connection too. You know, mm-hmm. I had the privilege a number of years ago. I actually met a, a 12 year old girl in my town who'd flown the craft. Whoa. And, and I asked her Whoa. and I asked her point blank. I said, where did you go? She goes anywhere I wanted. <laughs> Any, anywhere I wanted. I said, did you go out through the planet? She goes, I remember stopping at Saturn to, to, view the the rings and then Hmm. i wanted to see under the ocean and and you know and i said well how did you fly it she goes i don't know i just sat down and put my hands like it it was literally she'd never heard of the movie flight of the navigator but i mean flight of the navigator in my opinion is the second most important ufo movie out there next to Close Encounters, because all these people, I mean, when you watch Flight of the Navigator, it's biological because it's hooking up to you and your mind and your thoughts. And that was just so well ahead in 1986 of where we were in ufology at that point. Somebody had to know. NASA had to know. (laughs) I think a lot of writers are channeling things from that other field. I really do. I mean, Gene Roddenberry, he even said he would, he would meditate and, and he would download all the characters from Star Trek. Which is like, it didn't, he, he would say, it's not for me. It's from something else. Yeah. It's incredible. Just incredible. I love it. And just watching it happen is phenomenal 
It really is. Yeah. All right. We got about 15 seconds. Thank you to Simon Times 2, our other Aussie Simon, Aussie Ange, W. David Page, Mama Catherine, Blue Cruise for the Super Chats. And get your questions in there in capital letters. We only have three so far. Let's get some more from Melissa. Here we go. Oh, yeah, the mummies. <clears throat> we passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, our archives are free on YouTube. They'll always be free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. And you know where else they're free? On every major podcast network like Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play. Yeah, I like it being free. So since I kind of make the decisions around here, let's just keep it free for you. Our website, <laughs> spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the Space Travelers Club. Final time tonight, author, researcher, director, producer, Code 12 is Melissa Tittle's latest documentary, which can be found on Amazon. And we're going to get some audience questions here for you, Melissa, as we welcome you back in. We're going to start with Android here. You're one of the only few Americans who have seen one of the alien mummies in person. Are you allowed to discuss what you saw? Yes. Um, so the mummies are a big story now because they were brought in front of Mexican Congress. But back in 2018, I actually went down into Peru, brought a bunch of scientists to check out the bodies. So they had the small ones and the bigger one, Maria. Um, and um, I was very skeptical when I went down there. I saw the pictures and I was like, oh, my God, this is definitely a hoax. <laughs> um, but I got to touch them and they definitely had a skin to them. And um, I know that the skin uh, was tested on one of the small bodies that didn't have a head and definitely different parts of the skin from Maria for different parts of the body. So like the skull, uh, the ribs, the bottom part, the hands, the feet, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, it had like a, almost like a, like a reptile, like rep, like a, a skin and <clears throat> A lot of people that were saying that uh, they created these bodies and they melted a bunch of other animal skin together to create some kind of skin over this. But I researched that and that's literally impossible. So um, I don't know what was covering these things, but it definitely wasn't like dry, dusty human skin. It was some kind of like reptilian skin that was covering them. But uh, this question could I could keep talking about these mummies for a long time. The one thing that I found really interesting, the small bodies, I was very skeptical about because they wouldn't let us uh, do any scientific studies on the bodies, just like a smaller body with a head cut off. And it just, there's just something really fishy about it. But the big body Maria, we were able to actually gather so much data that they were able to ask so many really good DNA questions that Maria, um, given the fact that her hands and her feet 
uh, and all the body parts from all the different uh, samples all matched. So they weren't like different feet, different toes, or um, different fingers attached or any of that. Um, also, a lot of the doctors looked at the CAT scans and the topography um, where you can see the muscles combined. And like, there's nobody that could make that. Like they can't make the muscles like wind around the bone like that. Like, uh, so for me, Maria, which I think just came out in this last hearing that just happened this last week. Um, she's always been the most interesting because uh, of, of all the samples and all the scientific data we actually had that was so odd. Um, the small ones, I'm a little like, I don't know, I'm a little up in the air about it. But what happened to them is that they went to, we, we couldn't do any, we couldn't do anything about it. You know, it's, it belongs to the Peruvian government. Um, we we uh, brought them to, um, there was a huge hearing at the parliament in Peru and the bodies were brought there. A whole presentation was done. All the scientists came and gave all their, all their data. Uh, and then the bodies were shipped to a university and that's where they, they stayed until Jaime Musan then brought them to uh, this Mexico UFO hearing, Congress hearing. So um, congressional hearing. So um, I just think Maria is the most interesting. So if you're going to focus on one of them and you're thinking this is really interesting, that is the only thing that to me is interesting. What do you think about the fact that Jaime Mosan is in pretty deep trouble with the Peruvian government right now for having those mummies in Mexico? (laughs) They were literally smuggled out of Peru, which is illegal, to get them in front of the Mexican government. What do you think about that heist? Well, <clears throat> there's so many dodgy things in that whole story. Like the whole, the whole, the whole way it got set up, and some grave robbers are involved. I mean, there's just so many dodgy pieces of the whole story. But again, this is, goes back to my. <clears throat> remember, there's some truth buried underneath all of the the hoopla. Um, Jaime is really awesome and very passionate about these subject matters. I think he sometimes gets way too excited and jumps to conclusions and immediately says things are alien without like letting the scientific data unravel itself. And I think that puts him in a bad light to um, not be believable um, because he's, he's not necessarily doing his journalistic job in the beginning. Um, And the whole thing with them going from Peru to Mexico, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, how was he not going to get in trouble for that? I don't, I just don't, I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just think, I just think that there there's some really interesting things about this story that, and I will say it again, Maria seems interesting to me. The rest of it, there's lots of dodgy characters and people uh, involved in this that this that you can't, cannot be trusted. But I think that there's some really cool things uh, data wise with Maria. Do you think the other two smaller ones are real? You know, it's really hard for me to say. I mean, I, I just, you know, looking, having people look at the CAT scans and the x-rays, I know that the one of them has the eggs and in that um, topography, you can see, again, the veins and everything, which is really cool. It's really hard to wrap my head around those because I just don't even know how they walked, given their proportions and the, how their bone structure works together. But that doesn't mean that they're not real. I just, 
I have my reservations about those. What is your theory then that in prior <laughs> scientific studies that the bodies were glued together from everything from human parts to different animals and the 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 fact that there was alleged other DNA on the mummies when tested? Um, well, you know, I, I propose, I propose all of these questions to not only taxidermists, but also to doctors, because I had them look, you know, doctors in, um, in some of them in the United States, look at the CAT scans and, and, um, high res CAT scans. Like, did somebody put this bone together? Did they saw a, a phalange off and, and then, you know, put these three big fingers and toes and they're like, we can't find any marks. We can't find any marks of that happening. So there's one. Um, there is contamination with the DNA because lots of people are touching them. And you never know what's been rubbed up against it. So uh, you know, the DNA processing takes so long because they, I think when we got the DNA, it took another year for us to get any answers because it was so much contamination. They had to strip away bacteria foreign objects, you know, any kind of um, animal stuff and separate that all out. And there was little pieces of, of, of different things like bacteria and, you know, some human DNA, probably from people touching it, and then some animal stuff. But it, it didn't make up the DNA itself. So if somebody made these, this is what I can say, if somebody made these bodies given the scientific community that I have talked to back in 2018, <clears throat> how they did it, I don't know. If, if, if somebody created Maria, uh, that person, I, I, I don't know what person can do that. That would be like God creating joints and wrapping muscles. And I, I, I it, it, yeah. Again, the smaller bodies Harder for me to believe just because I just don't feel like there's enough scientific evidence. The eggs are really interesting, but there's parts of Maria that like the people that I interviewed just couldn't figure out how they actually created those bones and how they worked. If they were put together. The unknown would like to know if one of those bodies is fake, wouldn't all of them be fake? That's a great question. Um, But again, we're dealing with dodgy characters. So um, if, they found one real one and they made some money off of it. And they were like, well, we have eight more bodies and in this undisclosed area, do you want to see them? And of course we do. Cause this one's really interesting. I mean, they would be doing that just for money. And the whole point of even doing it in the first place was for money, not for scientific discovery. The scientific discovery is on the part of the journalists and the scientists involved. So again, a hundred percent I can contest to the dodginess of the whole deal for sure. But, um, but, but just because one is fake, I wouldn't say all of them are fake. And again, I'm not saying it's all real. I'm just, there's just parts of this that are not necessarily completely viable fake. Makes a lot of sense. Melissa Tittle is our guest tonight. On Spaced Out Radio, let's move on to another question here. Let's go to Area 51. 
You mentioned the number 12, which is, I have noticed a lot as well, 12 months, 12 zodiac signs. The number is associated with the heavens. Do you think this ties to your dream? Yes, 100%. So 12 is the structure. I felt that my dream, now that I'm older and I've read a million books and you know I get to interview really cool people, I feel like my dream really represented me accessing those 12 points at the same time. Um, but the 12 is the system. So uh, the 12 zodiacs at, you know, at one point, and, and people talk about this in esoteric circles, there, there was 13 zodiacs. There was a fecus. Like, where did he go? In uh, the temple of Dendera, um, they have all the zodiacs. And then one of them is blacked out. It looks like someone went up there with a marker on the ceiling. Um, and it's Ophicus. And they purposely keep it dirty because they don't want people to remember that there's 13 zodiacs. So the 12 is the system and it's all around us. You know, at one point there was there was 13 months uh, in, a, in a year. There wasn't 12 months. And that I think that happened in Roman times that they they changed that over for some other reasons. But but there's um, so there's there's this kind of. The 12 is the structure and it's everywhere. We find it all around us all the time. And I 100% feel that that was part of the structure of my dream. Like me understanding that I was in the middle of accessing all those points. Let's go to Simon in Australia. If God or source is infinite, then surely it's done all possible growing by now. What is your thoughts? (laughs) Well, God is eternal. God, goddess is eternal. Infinite is just comes back in a loop, right? That's right. It's it's not it, it's 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 not source is eternal. It just keeps going. If there is no end, it's just like the rabbit hole with truth. You open one door and then you're into the next. And so in this case, you're into the next universe, the next dimension, the next frequency level whatever whatever that may be um so if you start to think about it that infinite becomes separate from uh eternal one of the things i talk about in this documentary is the concept of base 10 and base 12 that so if you think about being infinite as base 10 right base 10 is our financial system um how everything's calculated and and how we do things in our dimension of time uh, base 12 is like a bigger, a bigger structure. And that's, it has to do with the eternity. Eternal. All right. <clears throat> Let us continue here. Let us go to Tim Mothman and his fantastic goatee. Melissa, <laughs> Love it. what is the most extraordinary investigation you've conducted? Ooh, God, that's such a good question. I've never prepared for this because there's so many good ones. And every time I get off of an interview, I'm like, oh, I should have told the other one. (laughs) Um, um, Okay, so I had, um, there's a couple of really cool experiences I had when I did UFO Witness with Ben Hansen. um, Because we got to spend a lot more time. Like a a lot of these things I've done on my own, but, you know, it's kind of cool when a a network's behind you because they they give you all the toys, which is great because then you can really get into it. Um, We we were at this this, uh, ranch in Arkansas, which is called Marley Woods, which is um, like... um, 
uh what's oh my god i'm I'm so tired um skinwalker ranch it's like skinwalker ranch except it's not notarized it's the same thing lots of lots of uh cryptids paranormal activity uh alien beings uh cows being mutilated lots of lots of weird stuff so we were spending the night there uh we set up camp there's um there's a couple really like there's a couple of really hot points that I picked out that I really wanted to start the night off with. And one of them was a very old cemetery. Like they don't even know when the first person was buried there. So we're talking thousands of years. The whole place is probably like an Indian burial ground. So we're in a hot spot. So the weirdest thing that happened um, was that we were in this kind of hot spot to start the night out. And we had all of our cameras, we had all of our equipment out and all of a sudden everything went to zero like, shoo, like, which never happens because he, the earth moves. You're picking up, you're picking up little tiny little blips here and there. Right. But everything went to zero. And that was actually more scary <laughs> than if it went off the charts, everything just equalized. And, and we're all like, what, what do we do? Right. What, did somebody cause this? Is it, is it because somebody's camera's too close? But that was for about two minutes. It just, everything went to zero every device, everything that we could calculate went to zero. And I was like, we are dealing with something that is intelligently screwing with us for sure. So over the course of, um, we spent like eight hours, we spent like basically the whole night there um, conducting stuff and things were following us. Um, we we definitely saw like shadow beings, uh, orbs, um, but it was, it was, it was interesting because I've either been in a haunted house. Uh, I've been to a site where an alien experience happened. I've been to a mutilated cow situation, but I've been to abduction situations um, and, and to locations where lots of things have happened to people. But for some reason, this location, the, the, the entity or the entities or all of the things were activated all at the same time. It wasn't just an alien sighting or an orb. It, it, it was, it just felt like there were so many different interdimensional things happening all the time that I could not wait to leave <laughs> uh, that, that, that spot. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what Skinwalker Ranch is like, and, and maybe that's on steroids, but, but Marley Woods is, is, um, is 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 just an, it's a new spot we wanted to investigate it but it's it was it was crazy it was it was i i think i it's a gift from sunbelt federal credit union a holiday loan with no payments for 60 days get a great rate on a loan for the holidays then make no payments until next year visit sunbeltfcu.org to apply the holiday loan special is good through december 2023 rates and terms may vary and your actual rate will be based on your credit history Interest will accrue from the time your loan is closed and processing fees and underwriting guidelines do apply. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union can make the season special with a great rate on a holiday loan. Plus, you'll enjoy no payments for 60 days. Handle all your holiday expenses and make no payments until next year. Go to sunbeltfcu.org to apply. The holiday loan special is good through December 2023. Rates and terms may vary, and your actual rate will be based on your credit history. Interest will accrue from the time your loan is closed, and processing fees and underwriting guidelines do apply. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Slept for like a whole day after that because I was just so on edge. (laughs) 
I know you okay. are on, you know, are, mm-hmm. are very uncomfortable in front of the camera. Do you prefer being in front of the camera and telling a story, or do you feel you have more control telling the story when you're behind the scenes? I feel like I have more control telling the story from behind the scenes. I think when you're in front of the camera, you are expressing the moment you're in the investigation, you're being the person in the investigation. But, but I love, I, you know, I like doing both, but when I get to be the extrovert on the outside, looking at all the things, like I would have, like I watched how they cut that episode together and it was just like really quick, like all the things that were happening, but I would have, you know, if you could, if I had more time to show like all the creepy stuff, that was it was just building up and and that how whatever was there and, and many things were there were just really just screwing with us because they're like oh this is hilarious they're going to bring all these devices and try to like try to like capture us you know and, and i just i just had never been on anything that everything went to zero I just that was like crazy that is haywire absolutely haywire let's move on here let's so we got about four minutes to go. A couple more questions for you. Area 51 wants to know, Melissa, have you seen the film Interstellar? You basically described the ship they used to travel through space and enter the black hole. Very cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. And, and um, you know, on the break, we were um, we were actually just talking about this, that that. Um, to travel through space time, you also need to be kind of symbi- you need to be symbiotic with that energy into uh, with that ship um, and interstellar. They get into a little bit of that, but but not, you know, it's really an emotional human journey. But 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 um, but yeah, this but this this is the thing. I feel that we're so close to figuring this out that we're doing it in the movies already, which hopefully we can do it in in our existence right now if humanity was you know in our own existence being able to to learn about this subject and about uh pardon me about you know the the little quips that all seem to tie together do you think we would have an easier time coming together to work with this or is this something that the scientific community needs to address first? Mm, I think we all have to be involved in this. I think that all of you UFO researchers, people that are like diving into the research of paranormal, all of that research is helping the scientific community then figure out where to look. Remember, science is only about asking the right question and then putting the resources behind it. And all of the research into the paranormal that not necessarily a scientist is going to do is so important. And that's why working together is the next step. It's not that the science community needs to figure it out because they don't know where to look yet. This, this UFO community, we, we, they have so much data, UFO, paranormal, cryptids. There's so much data that allows the scientists to say, okay, let's ask this question so that we can verify it. Well, as I always say, if you want to confuse a paranormal team out there, ask them what they do with their evidence. The look <laughs> of shock on their face is undeniably funny. Undeniably. <laughs> Try it sometime. It's really, okay. it's really worth it. So, uh, you know, after you do your investigation, what, what do you do with your evidence? Well, we go through it. Okay. And 
we find any uh, clues or evidence. Well, what do you do with it after? Well, what do you yeah. mean? Well, what do you do with it? I don't know. All the time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Final question from our audience. We only got about a minute left. This has been an amazing show. Uh, Vanessa is asking, Melissa, could it be an alien attempt at hybridization, human-alien chimera? Uh, the simulation? Sure. Um, maybe. Um, but, you know, I think the whole concept of aliens, the abduction, all of it, is all part of the simulation. It's all there. We just can't see it. And if we had more control, I don't know if we would be consenting to some of the things that are happening to people that are not positive. I just think we're unaware. And so um, I don't necessarily think that the agenda of aliens existing is bad. And I don't know if this, if Vanessa, you feel hybridization is a bad thing or a good thing. Um, I think we need to worry about right now how we are turning to hybrids of technology and human versus um, alien, you know, alien, like an alien species coming down and, and creating hybrids. I think we really need to worry about that. And, uh, you know, something, this is just random, but somebody brought this up to me and it really made me think, it was another interview I did, and they said, if you really think about AI as finish up as uh, okay you really think about ai as um as 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 a, a mechanism for alien beings to speak to humans that would be the perfect setup to reach people through technology and be able to control their thought process and i was like mind blown so i don't know what the the goal is but maybe they're trying to brainwash us into believing certain things i love it melissa we made it two hours good job Woo! Thank you. My audience is already begging you to come back. Sweet. I love you guys. Thank you, my dear. You are amazing, and thank you for staying up late for us, okay? And Always. And if you need to use this interview, uh, whether it's on podcast or the YouTube channel, just use it. I don't mind. Okay. Thank Great. You. Amazing. You take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Melissa Tittle, everybody. Bye. There she goes. Into the wild blue yonder, probably into her bed to go good night. And uh, Super Duke is coming up next. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back.
We got a minute to go. How fun was that, guys? Wasn't Melissa awesome? Thank you tonight to W. David Page, Simon times two, the other Simon with one, Mama Catherine, Blue Cruise, Ozzy Ange, and Android for the Super Chats. <coughs> Hello, Jack, over on Spreaker. How you doing? And, um, yeah, shop at our store, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. And start booking your hotel rooms now for Reno, May 10th through 12th, 2024, for the third annual SOR Fan Party. We want to see you there. I'm going to be bringing in some special guests that you get to hang out with that you've heard on this show. And we're going to make it a great time. We need you there, though. So start joining in now. Here we go with Hour 3. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor here we go with the third and final hour of spaced out radio tonight my name is dave scott very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call earth hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Xenogenis. Xenogenis is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing and another spooky story. Hello friends, welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Six-year-old Larry Jeffrey of Henderson, Nevada, went missing on May 28, 1966, after being separated from his brothers, Monty and Franklin, while on a weekend outing at Mount Charleston in southern Nevada. Larry, who was hearing impaired, asked his parents, Lee Jeffrey and stepmother Alice, for permission to climb from the family picnic area in Lee's Canyon to the top of the mountain to see the snow. His parents did not permit him, so he joined Monty and Franklin on another hike. He also asked them if he could climb to the top to see the snow, but they, too, refused permission. Shortly after that, Larry disappeared, and his parents contacted officials for help. Larry only wore blue jeans and a short-sleeved shirt when he went missing and was without food or water. The Clark County Sheriff's Office directed more than 300 searchers, including volunteers, 
over 50 square miles of mountainside. Over the following few days, reserve units replaced tired searchers to maintain the strength of the search, bringing the number up to over 800 searchers. Chief Deputy Ray Gubser said, If the boy was able to find a cave to keep warm in, he could pull through okay. Kids have a lot of stamina, but this is rough country. Helicopters carried searches from Nellis Air Force Base into McFarland Canyon. A second team of searchers trudged into Max Canyon in groups of three. Each canyon is approximately 9,000 feet above the surrounding desert. The Sheriff's Office explained that temperatures on the mountain at night dropped about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Searchers discovered Larry's footprints shortly after they arrived, but they disappeared in loose shale. The tracks suggested that Larry likely did not think he was lost, as they followed a straight path toward the summit instead of wandering around in circles. On the twelfth day of the search, the Clark County Sheriff's Office declared they would scale back the number of searchers to 20 based on the opinion of three doctors who told Sheriff Ralph Lamb that Larry could not have survived 12 near-freezing nights on the 12,000-foot mountain. Ultimately, the difficult decision to call off the official search was made. Sheriff Ralph Lamb said, Calling off the search was one of the hardest decisions I've ever been forced to make. If it was possible, I'd keep my men searching until we found him. Physically, this isn't possible. Larry was never found, despite the intensive search in an area with extreme temperatures and snow, and his parents returned to their home in Henderson. So, what happened to Larry Jeffrey? Theories range from an animal attack, abduction, or succumbing to the elements, yet it is impossible to say without any conclusive evidence. Anyone with information regarding Larry's disappearance is asked to contact the Clark County Sheriff's Office at 702-397-2669. Thank you, Steve, for another wonderful story on Among the Missing YouTube channel, which is free for you to listen to. If you like stories just like that, go hit subscribe on Steve's channel. It's well worth it. From the missing to the mysterious mountains of Montana, it is that time of the night where we say hello to Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio at the Cryptid Report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. How you doing, my man? Hey, Dave. Nice to see you this week. <laughs> yes. Yes, my beard is uh, taking off, my friend. It's got a mind of its own right now. Mm -hmm. Your hair and your beard seem to morph occasionally. They change They change shape. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's the aliens inside of me. That's what it is. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, right now it looks like you're working on the full-blown Santa Claus just in time for the holiday season. Well, you know, Duke, I'm glad you brought up the holiday season because we are within the 10-day limit that I have to remind my beautiful American friends and listeners, can we just get back to the basics when it comes to Black Friday I need more I need more brawling people. Okay? The last couple of years has been horrifically disappointing. Horrifically disappointing. You know, online shopping, you know, it's horrible. You know, people people uh you know 
staying six feet away while going Black Friday shopping. We don't need yeah. that anymore. I know it's hard to shove people over shopping carts when you're supposed to be maintaining a six foot distance, right? I know. I want I want punching. I want kicking and biting and screaming. Okay. I want to see, you know, fifty year old ladies ripping toys out of children's hands, okay, and making the children cry. It's the one morbid night a year that I like, Duke. Okay. <laughs> And it's just been, it's been horrifically disappointing. Well, get ready for more disappointment because nobody down here has any money, so they're not going to be fighting to get in there. You know, I mean, we, we could do better, America. We could do better. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? When, when Black Friday shows up, I want you to listen to this message from me. If you love me, if you love the woo, you love this show, get out there, put some tinfoil on your knuckles, tape them up, and get out there and start brawling like you do, okay, in the past, like you have in the past. Make it happen. Make it happen. You can do it. I have faith in you, America. Bring America back to what it was. And it starts with brawling and Black Friday. There. Brawling and fighting over uh, minor uh, did <laughs> reductions in pricing, sure. Doesn't matter, Duke. I need it. I need it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Don't be selfish. That's a selfish That's attitude. Start doing that in Canada, and then you don't have to live vicariously through our stupid uh, behavior. Because we're too polite here, man. We're too polite. Well, get over it. No. No. To take off the hockey mittens. You go can't center ice and start bashing, brother. You can't set a standard that high and then just shut it off because of some some. Uh, you know, online shopping addiction that you've uh, generated over the last couple of years. Okay? Look, this is what Americans always do. We start trends and then we become fickle and quit doing them. Yeah. Just like when Crocodile Dundee was popular, the Australians thought it would be a trend that would go on forever. Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at MandelCDJR.com. Walter Brown here. You can feel the excitement. Everybody is talking about Saturday night. Yep, Saturday night, the first home game of the season for your Mississippi Seawolves, and you need to show up for Red Out the Den. You can get your single game tickets now to Mississippi Seawolves games at the Coliseum box office or online at Ticketmaster.com. You gotta come out Saturday night, the very first home game for the Mississippi Seawolves. Don't miss out on your chance to be part of the excitement. The Seawolves at the Coliseum. Well, no. <laughs> okay. Get out there. Put spikes on your <laughs> shoes. Okay. Let's let's get back to, to what, what the purpose of Black Friday is. Okay. Black eyes. Okay. Let's beat the hell out of some people, man. Come on. Yep. All right. Black and blue Friday. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Duke, I got a question for you. Uh, getting a, more on topic here. So I go to my Bigfoot site the other night with my buddy Mark. No Bigfoot, windy as hell, so we didn't bother starting a fire. 
but we had wild horses all around us. Wow, cool. Couldn't see them, could hear them. Mm-hmm. Going up the trail, okay, about four miles prior, we actually saw two horses. But when we got to our spot, you could hear them all around us. Could hear them all around us. Now, I know Sasquatch likes horses. We've seen many a times of people talking about the braids in the in the manes and the tails. We didn't stick around because the weather was a little saucy for us. Okay, and we didn't, you know, we weren't sure because the horses were there that it, that the Sasquatch would be there. And it, and really there wasn't that feeling. You know that feeling I'm talking about that there's just something out there. It didn't have mm-hmm. that feeling. So we left after about half an hour. Okay, should we have stuck around because the horses were there? I would have stuck around. Why? Uh, you know, I can point you to uh, in August when we were camping there near the ghost town and a whole big gang of cows, which some would call a herd, but they look thug-like to us, came wandering up to ta- camp looking ominous shortly after dark. And fortunately for us, the Sasquatch made big loud wood snap and chased them away. <laughs> and we got plenty of evidence. They're following the cows around out there. I don't know if they like obliterating their tracks or what, but apparently the cows aren't very scared of them. The cows, when we heard the roaring in July, it set the cattle off. Mm-hmm. So after the roar ended, we had 10 minutes of cattle, cows mooing way out in the pastures. <laughs> we had 35 cows right in camp that all of, decided, all of a sudden decided to stampede out of camp. That was a little unnerving. <laughs> So does Sasquatch like a good steak? Is that why? <laughs> it makes you wonder. Yeah, the <clears throat> ranchers and stuff don't seem to lose any livestock, so apparently they're not doing any anything as far as killing and eating them, but they had plenty of uh, deer and elk around, so they wouldn't really need to. Well, I thought I would get your professional opinion on that. Next time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they're... <sighs> there's all sorts of reasons that they might hang around with, you know other herds of animals we got examples of them up here during the winter in montana where they've actually made huge trails through the snow the snow gets so deep the other animals can't walk through it and they'll make a trail down to the lower air you know lower parts of the mountain so some of the other animals can go down the trail to the lower part of the mountain things like elk and stuff and then when they get down there they'll grab one of them (laughs) but the rest of them all have a trail to get down the mountain Okay, and that makes sense. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, living in an area where there is uh, a, a heavy thickness of snow in, in our area, I can see where that would be a great hunting strategy for them. You know, I mean. Yeah, it's the only available trail for anything that's good size. You know, you got four or five feet of snow. Hey, there's a trail right there. Well, that's convenient. I want to go downhill, too, where there's less snow. Sure, I'll follow it. Right, right. All right, I know you got some stories for us, my man. What do you got for us this week? Oh, I got more stories from David Weatherly's Monsters of Big Sky Country. Beautiful. Love David Weatherly. Long day today. uh, Another channel is doing a Bigfoot documentary, and they wanted me to do the narration for them. And I 
put them off for a little bit because they said, you know, make sure you've got the script together the way you actually want it because I'm not going to go back and do like second, third, fourth takes and stuff. And finally, okay, yeah, I got it exactly the way I want it. Send me the final version. I recorded it, sent it back to him. And he was just like doing back handsprings and stuff. And I'm like, uh, I'm I'm glad you like it. (laughs) Kind of a little bit surprised, uh, but okay, sure, that's good. So whenever that comes out, I'll let you guys know. So I'm I'm doing like the main narration and he's doing the rest of it. And it's just kind of an overview on Bigfoot. But anyway, one of the fun things I did today. And I told him, you know, which which voice do you want? Do you want me or do you want like Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> do you want me to do it as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, Bigfoot's totally real. I'm telling you guys, there's no doubt about it whatsoever. <laughs> well, let's go for no, it. So I didn't do the David Attenborough either. I just did the, uh, you know, the straight up in search of. So anyway, Bigfoot through the decades here in the 1960s. Here's some reports from Montana. Moving to the modern era of sightings in Montana, there is an abundance of encounters, many that include one of the elements missing in Bauman's tale. And, of course, he's referring to uh, Teddy Roosevelt's tale of the trapper Bauman, whose partner was killed. And here's the details. (coughs) Excuse me. Include the elements missing in Bauman's tale, a visual sighting of the creature. Bigfoot researcher John Green recalled doing an open-line radio show when a woman called in to report that there had been Bigfoot activity in the snowy mountains when she was a child. Reportedly, people in the region knew that cattle had to be kept at lower elevations in the late fall and early spring. Otherwise, quote, the hairy men that lived in the mountains would kill them and eat them, unquote. The woman told Green that her father and a friend had seen one of the creatures in the area when she was growing up. Her uncle had also spotted one and intended to shoot it, but as soon as he reached for his gun, the Bigfoot ran away. John Green's archives also contain a notation from the 1960s that Dr. Joseph Feathers from the Western Montana College of Education wrote that Dean Staten found bare human footprints in the snow 15 miles south of Jackson in Beaverhead County. A print that was measured came in at 17 inches in length and 9 inches in width. The creature appeared to have stepped over a 4-foot high windfall without breaking stride. The tracks continued for 300 yards to a rocky slope on the mountainside. The men's magazines of the 1960s and 70s frequently covered stories of giant hairy creatures. From the Himalayan Yeti to Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest, these sensational aspects of the undiscovered creatures made good headlines and feature articles. Argosy, Saga, True, and other magazines reported on sightings of the creature. One interesting account from Montana appeared in the January 1961 issue of Saga Magazine in 1960 and involves a man named Roy W. Rye. Rye describes an experience he'd had while bear hunting the foothills of the Mission Mountains near Sealy Lake the previous year. Hey, that's just north of me. It was December 1959 and Rye was following a set of tracks in the snow. While following the trail, he crossed a small clearing and suddenly felt he wasn't alone. As he reported in Saga, quote, he looked around to his left and then to his right. There it was. 20 yards away, looking straight at him, was this thing. Its head and arms were resting on a fallen tree that was five or six feet above the ground. Seeing only the head and arms, Rye thought it was a large bear, a very large bear. He began to raise his rifle to his shoulder. The thing, still looking at him, still leaning on the fallen tree, grinned at him, or so Rye thought. Then the thing let go an eerie half-human scream, Its head began to rock from side to side. 
and Rye could hear a rumbling sound. His rifle at the ready, Rye backpedaled. The thing moved a moment, and Rye could see it from the waist up. It had a large, flat head, stubby ears, a short neck, and sloping shoulders with long arms. It was all covered with brownish-gray hair, unquote. The Saga article caught the attention of some Montana newspapers and publications. Reporters decided to follow up on the story and talk to Rye themselves. It seems at least some of the reporters were hoping to cast doubt on the tale, but the facts they discovered only added weight to the account. The Billings Gazette found out that Rye had been a licensed game guide and had killed a lot of bears during his hunting career. Obviously, he wasn't someone apt to mistake what was or wasn't a bear. The Montana Sports Outdoor magazine wrote about Rye in the publication's December 1960 issue, a month before the Saga article appeared. Writers with the Outdoor magazine talked to Rye and got details of his account. He told the magazine very firmly that what he had seen was not a bear. Rye told reporters that he thought the creature looked more like, quote, a huge ape. The magazine goes on. At the time, Rye was armed with a 270 rifle and a shoulder-holstered 357 Magnum pistol. What did he do next? Why, he did what any other red-blooded, well-armed hunter would have done under the circumstances. He broke all records for cross-country running and getting the heck out of there. The Daily Missoulian also follows up on Rye's story, and they too found that the man uh, facts checked out. Researcher Greg Mastel sent a pair of interesting sightings to John Green involving 1960s encounters. In November 1962, a Hamilton man, and Hamilton is about 45 miles from here, named Reed Christensen saw a large bipedal creature running up an embankment. Christensen and his wife and daughter were near the top of Lost Trail Pass in Rivoli County when they spotted the thing. According to the witness, the creature was between 6 and 7 feet tall, had long arms and no neck. It was 2 a.m. when the family spotted the creature, and it likely didn't expect any humans to be in the area at that time of the morning. Probably hence the reason they spotted it. <coughs> Excuse me. It's also noted that the family's dog acted strangely during the sighting. Another Hamilton man, Lou Bigley, spotted a hairy biped, excuse me, biped two years later. In August 1964, Bigley was hauling logs out of Upper Grid Creek. His day soon took a strange turn. Driving down the road, he spotted a brown creature on two legs standing in the middle of the road about 100 feet in front of his truck. Bigley said the creature was about five feet tall with broad shoulders. The man slammed on the brakes, and the creature turned and ran up a rocky draw and out of sight. Green's book, Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us, recounts a May 1964 sighting. Gray Simons and Sid Richardson took a group of Boy Scouts out camping at an area called Brown's Gulch near Butte. The Scouts thought they were in for a nice, normal spring campout, but at about 4 o'clock in the morning, one of the boys was awakened by a noise outside his tent. The scout discovered a Sasquatch standing out front. He later said the creature was hairy all over with silver-tipped brown hair. The creature also had a, quote, heavy beard, unquote. Shocked by the confrontation, the boy screamed, causing the Bigfoot to run away. Simons rushed to see what was happening. On investigation, the creature was heard nearby, splashing in the creek. Reportedly, it was making giggling sounds, similar to those a human would make. Perhaps it was amused that it had shocked the scout troop. <laughs> Probably exactly what was going on. Tracks were discovered around the area the next morning. They appeared to be barefoot human tracks, but the size was exceptional. The prints were 20 inches long and 6 inches wide with a 7-foot stride. 
The trackway was clear for 150 yards before the trail vanished in rocky strata. Another group of Boy Scouts had an encounter with a large hairy man in the mid-60s, original source of the reports unknown, but about a dozen Scouts were camped one night in the Deer Lodge National Forest in Silverbow County when something intruded into their camp. As one of the boys who is present reports, the kid next to me heard something going through our backpacks, knocking things over. Then all of a sudden, this thing stepped on my friend. There was a lot of screaming. We turned our flashlight on, and it was dark brown, black. It walked like a man and took great big strides. It was three times my size, way over eight feet tall. We saw it moving away across the ridge. There were numerous footprints going across the top of the ridge, bigger than anything i ever seen before. They were human-like with five toes, but they had no claw marks. And how much more time we got? We got 20 Researcher. seconds. What's that? We got about 15 seconds now. So okay. why, don't, why, why don't you hold Good on? Good place to take a break. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio giving us some great stories of the history of Sasquatch tonight, courtesy of an amazing, talented writer, David Weatherly. we got to get David back on this show. It's been a long time, way too long, since Mr. Weatherly and his top hat have been on Spaced Out Radio. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio can be found on every major streaming network. Make sure you check them on out. We'll be right back with the final half hour and Super Duke, the Cryptid Report. Super Sig time. You go, buddy. Well, let's see here. What's going on in our chat room here? Good night, Mama Catherine. Mwah! To you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Derek, for putting up... Uh, Super Duke's channel in our chat room. If you haven't subscribed to him, make sure you do. This was a great night of radio, guys. Great night. Thank you for being here for it. reading the comments you're welcome data derivations free your mind has a has a clam crush on the password super duke 
Super Duke. Woohoo. Yeah, it was fun doing that narration thing earlier today. He was like, oh, this is, uh, can you read this for me? I'm looking at it. I'm going like, yeah, it's only like five paragraphs. No big deal. Took, you know, 11 minutes, I think, is what the read through took. Nice. And I sent it to him and I went like, yeah, make whatever changes that it's whatever you want. And he sends me this message back listening to it right now. This is awesome. And I'm like, okay, he's happy. Fine. I'm done. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He said, I sent it to my, what did he call him, cohort in crime, what his co-host or whatever, and he said, he's freaking out too. <laughs> well, you guys are happy, good. I, yeah, they're just like a starting out channel, and they wanted to put together a basic documentary, just, you know, here's the basics about Bigfoot sort of thing. So they cover all the, you know, here's the Himalayan Yeti, here's where the name Bigfoot came from in North America, here's this, here's that, blah, 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 all the basics. So the first time I ever got to do narration for something that wasn't, you know, something I was putting out. So that was kind of fun. Super Duke narration. Super Duke narration. Well, it's one of the few things I get going for me. I do have a decent voice. Not nearly as good as yours, but I've got a decent voice at least. Definitely got a face for print. I know the feeling. (laughs) You're, You're way ahead of me, Dave. <laughs> I don't think so. Hey, I want to say a big thank you tonight to Simon Times Two, Simon Two Times Two, W. David Page, Android, Ozzy Ange, Mama Catherine, and Blue Cruise for the wonderful super chats tonight. Thank you for the love and support from everybody who's given us a thumbs up or down and hit subscribe. Very much appreciate the love. Don't forget after the show to leave a comment. Because that helps us out, too. May 10th through 12th. What are you doing in 2024? How about joining us in Reno, Nevada at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort for the third annual SOR Fan Party? Hey, if you were coming last year and you got screwed over because of the, uh, the EDM concert where they jacked the hotel room prices by like 300%. You don't need to worry about that. You can book at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort right now for as low as 139 a night. we got a great weekend planned for you. So make sure you check it on out, book your hotels, and we'll get all the other affairs sorted out. Here we go. Here we go with the final hour, or half hour of Space Down Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed most of this show or others, always check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio and every major podcast network. 
including Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play. We're everywhere. Yeah, we are. We are everywhere. So make sure you check it on out. All right, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. You can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. We continue on right now with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. Duke, how you been doing, buddy? Man, I'll tell you what, I was not feeling very good for a few days earlier this week, but I'm much better now. And I had a friend that was in the hospital for over a week, and they finally got out, so that cheered me up considerably. And your guest earlier talking about how the universe is shaped like a duodecahedron or a 20-sided dice just proves Gary Gygax was right when he created Dungeons & Dragons, the game of the 20-sided dice. Lovely. It's all coming together. It's the symmetry of the universe. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible, and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. I love it. I love it. All right, you got more stories for us? We got more stories. We you know, we have a, a myriad. We have a multiplicity. We have a plethora of Ooh. stories. I like a plethora it. of primitive primate tales coming at you. So where were we at here? Uh, Luke Molly. Montana Associates sent me in a account from 1965 involving a track find that a puzzled man named Bob Shook of Hamilton made. Shook was out hunting at Piquette Creek south of Darby. Ooh, Darby's about 60 miles from here. When he and several friends came across some five-toed tracks that looked human, but were so large that a man's arm from elbow to fingertip couldn't fit inside one. The tracks were clearly impressed into soft dirt, so there was no mistaking the size. The incident was even more puzzling since they had heard what they thought was an animal whistling around their camp the previous night. Yeah, like, what animal's whistling at night? Seriously, guys. They also smelled an overpowering odor, although they could not find the source of either of these anomalies. The incidents bothered the men enough that they slept locked in their camper truck rather than outside in the open. A few years later in the same area, exact date not given, Another group of hunters had a weird experience. The men were in a camper when they saw, quote, an ugly black round face, unquote, peering inside at them. Once they noticed it, the face disappeared, but seconds later, the vehicle started rocking so hard they feared it was going to tip over. On September 11th, 1968, Harold Nelson was spending the night in his camper truck in Yellowstone County and had a frightening experience. The man wasn't too far from Billings when the incident occurred. Nelson was sitting quietly eating a can of beans when he became alarmed by loud noises 
outside his camper. He decided to investigate the commotion, and, flashlight in hand, he opened the camper door only to receive the shock of his life. He was face-to-face with a Bigfoot. As he reported in Saga Magazine in the July 1969 issue, I had an, it, it had an ape-like face, but it was definitely not a gorilla, Nelson said later. The head was slightly pointed, sloping down like the sketches of a caveman. The whole body was covered with reddish-brown hair. There were a few spots of white hair along the edge of the enormous shoulders. It stood erect like a man and must have weighed 600 to 800 pounds. He was big, Mm. real big. Very big. Frozen in fear, the man... I mean, he's like right there. Frozen in fear, the man stood looking at the creature. He reports that the thing made an odd noise, sort of like a gargle and a whistle at the same time. The situation changed, however, when the beast raised its arms up and reached toward the witness. The man's reaction was to scream as loud as he could. This time, it was the Sasquatch who was shocked. The creature jumped back in surprise. The man thought the thing was frowning at his reaction. Not wasting time, the man leapt back into his camper and grabbed a pistol to defend himself. He may have been expecting a full attack from the beast, but again, he was surprised at the behavior. He reports that the creature, quote, cocked his head in a funny motion and looked through the door. I sobbed with absolute relief when the beast turned away and shuffled back into the trees, unquote. Researcher Roger Patterson, famous for the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot footage, received a letter from Great Falls resident Frank Zolinski, who reported that he and another man, Bob Marshall, were out hunting in the region when they discovered a large footprint. Details are scant, but Zolinski reportedly placed his own foot in the print, and the impression was three to four inches larger and longer than his own foot. The incident occurred sometimes in, in 1968, although the exact date, again, was not given. In the summer of 1969... A trio from Oregon were fishing a mile east of Bonner, and uh, that's exactly where I had my research camp for about four months when their encounter occurred. Steve Filcher said what he initially thought was a bear, but noticed that it had a face like a man. The figure walked like a human and had a man-like shape. It was brownish black in color and stood around eight feet tall. The incident, collected by John Green, also notes that Steve and his companions, Rose and Jerry Filcher, also felt like they were being watched while they were at the fishing spot. In 1969, Ted Foster was cutting lodge poles east of Lost Trail Pass when he started having the feeling that someone was walking around behind him. He shut his power saw down and listened carefully. Turning around, he spotted a large creature not far away. The beast he described as seven-foot, 300-pound ape man covered with black hair. The Bitterroot Journal reported the incident, adding, Thinking to defend himself, Ted started the saw. The creature didn't move, but the hair stood up on its neck. Ted turned the saw off. The hair on the animal's neck settled back down again. Without taking his eyes off Ted, the beast turned sideways and began walking away with huge graceful steps. The incident occurred about 3 p.m. in broad daylight. Foster commented that he thought the Bigfoot may have been investigating after hearing the sound of the chainsaw. Clearly, the creature did not like the noise. Montana newshounds had their share of Bigfoot stories in the 60s and 70s, and at least one reporter ended up getting much closer to the creature than he expected. Tom Teedy, a reporter for Kalispell's Interlake, had a weird encounter while on a trail of a completely different story. His encounter took place sometime in the 1960s, though T.D. didn't write about it until much later, so the exact date is not given. 
As he recalls, he was in a wooded area near Columbia Falls searching for a hermit who reportedly lived in the region. Kitty was having difficulty finding the hermit and sat down to rest before heading back out of the forest. His rest, however, was cut short by a wailing sound that he described as rhythmic and patterned. Happy wailing, he called it, noting its sing-song quality. The reporter became very worried that a group of hunters was in the area. Since he was not wearing red or orange to distinguish that he was a human, <clears throat> he fretted over the dangerous possibilities. Titi considered calling out, but quickly thought the better of it. The sing-song wailing continued, and he reached for his gun. Moments later, the source of the unusual sound became clear. As T.D. writes, quote, Suddenly, and I swear by the abominable snowman, I saw it, about 50 yards away, coming down off one of the interconnected hills, passing at a moderate speed through the woods, disappearing and reappearing in the trees. I don't remember feeling anything. I could see plainly that it was not like anything I'd ever seen before. It had swinging arms, like a B-grade gorilla movie, a gray coat of hair, and a small head, which I could not make out, and it was moving parallel to me. The reporter wasn't sure whether or not the Bigfoot hadn't turned spot at him, but he had the impression that the creature looked in his direction. As it stopped, so did its song. I raised my rifle, forgot to take the safety off, but did nothing anyway. The thing paused for just a moment, then moved silently now, off in a direction my shaky compass said was north. I beat it out of the forest then, and the hell with the old hermit, I never went back. I never wrote the story before either. <laughs> and now we go into the 1970s. As the 1970, and, and note how many of those reports where I was going like, oh, that's 40 miles away, that's 60 miles away, and that's just north. All this stuff is all right around where I'm living. This area is just a gigantic Bigfoot hotspot. <clears throat> As the 1970s rolled in, sightings of large hairy bipeds were in abundance around the state. There were some unique aspects of encounters from this period. While some of the reports were vague and brief, as is often the case with unknown creatures, others were rich in detail. Significantly, during the 1970s in Montana, many sightings were investigated by law enforcement officers who took the presence of unidentified creatures seriously, and by the way, they still do in most of the state. The website BigfootEncounters.com lists a pair of incidents from the beginning of the decade. In 1970, a group of people at a party in Crystal Lake in Kalispell found a set of footprints in the area. The prints measured 18 inches, and one foot appeared to be crippled. Similar prints were also found around a set of garbage cans in the area. A year later, a man named Gary Huff discovered footprints in the same area. They were measured at 17 inches. Huff tracked the prints over a ridge, then spotted a pair of hairy bipeds. They were walking hand in hand. Huff said one of the creatures was very large and the other one smaller. Both had hair all over their bodies. Bigfoot sightings, along with other strange incidents, such as cattle mutilations and UFO sightings, were investigated by officers from the Cascade County Sheriff's Office. John Green visited the officers himself and remarked how unusual it was for a sheriff to be involved in such investigations. Quote, after years of careful sparring with polite but skeptical policemen on the subject of hairy creatures, I found the reception at the Cascade County Sheriff's Office all but overwhelming. Captain Wolverton devoted a day to showing us around, and under Sheriff Glenn Osborne was equally hospitable. What was really mind-blowing was being taken into a special room in the county building and shown on the wall a large map with reported sightings of hairy monsters, several more than I have mentioned, carefully plotted on it. Not only was a county sheriff and his officers involved, 
but a publication was devoting a lot of space to the topic, and they weren't laughing. <coughs> Excuse me, Hamilton Publication, again, Hamilton about 45 miles from here, the Bitterit Journal covered plenty of Bigfoot accounts and did so without an agenda or an insulting attitude. John Green received a report that was apparently called in to police officers in Kalispell. An unnamed man was driving west of the scene in September 1973 when his car was, quote, run off the road by two large gorillas walking on hind legs, unquote. Curiously, the same month, almost 130 miles away near Bonner, again, did research right outside of there. There was a series of other roadside encounters, according to Green's records. Many motorists in the area said there was an ape throwing rocks off a cliff down at their vehicle. As a nurse, the one thing you don't do is stand still. You're always going, doing, helping, thinking, solving, saving. Your nursing career shouldn't stand still either. Post University can help you move it forward from RN to BSN, from BSN to MSN, even from MSN to DNP. Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible, and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. Oh, nice. Nice. I wonder if that's covered under insurance. I could pretty much guess right where that was, too, because there's a slot canyon there, and there's barely enough room at the bottom of it for the river and the road to go through it. And, yeah, you know, several hundred feet of almost vertical granite. So if they decided they wanted to lob boulders down at cars, they got several really great places to do it from. And, yes, they are in that area. Uh, according to John Green's archives, a woman near Kalispell was out walking her dogs in August 74 when she came across two sets of tracks. Strangely, one set had three toes on the front part of the foot, and the other was a 16-inch five-toed track. When the larger one went uphill, it became three-toed. The woman's dogs reportedly went wild in the area, likely from the scent they'd picked up. Marion T. Places Bigfoot All Over the Country book reports on a September 1974 incident in the Bitterroot Mountains, which are right there five miles away. A group of five university students were out for a hike at St. Mary's Peak, 30 miles west of Missoula. I'm in Missoula. <laughs> a variety of marked trails offer paths ranging from moderate to steep at the location. Two of the men went straight for the top, but a third man, Chris Tobias, opted to take it easy due to a recent knee operation. Two women followed behind him, wanting to take their time and not rush up the trail. At mid-afternoon, Tobias turned off the trail to rest his aching knee. He sat down on a rocky ledge and took in the view of the mountainside. While taking in the scenery, he noticed two figures came out of the trees below him. As he watched, he noticed the figures were moving at a rapid pace, much quicker than the average human. And in fact, as they began to get closer, Tobias realized they weren't human at all. The bipedal creatures were black and hairy and were moving in a very smooth fashion. Once they were less than 100 yards away, they turned down a ravine and were out of sight. 
Trying to calm himself and understand what he had witnessed, the man was surprised when two of his hiking companions rushed up and exclaimed, Chris, we saw something really weird walking along that ridge below you. Diane Stringen and Kathy Mudd, the two female hikers, had watched the creatures from their vantage point and realized they were seeing something unusual. As Kathy reported, we saw they were hairy all over. They weren't human. They were those Bigfoot creatures we've read about. Greg Mastel reported that a family having a party near Rattlesnake Creek, huh, that's right over here, <laughs> outside of Missoula in 1974, heard loud screams outside. When they investigated, they discovered footprints measuring 18 inches in the area. The grandfather told his family that such occurrences had been frequent in the area for many, many years. Keith Wolverton, that's the same Wolverton, who was a Cascade County Sheriff, wrote a book about some of the weird cases he investigated. This book, Mystery Stalks the Prairie, is a treasure trove of weird accounts, including a number of Bigfoot sightings. Wolverton reports on a December 1974 account from a Great Falls man who took some shots at a Bigfoot. The man was coyote hunting on Bootlegger Trail when he saw the creature that he said was seven or eight feet tall and looked like a grizzly bear. The hunter fired his 30-30 at the creature, but it advanced on him anyway, causing him to rush to his car and leave the scene. And let that be a warning to you that think a 30-30 is going to do anything to a Bigfoot other than piss it off. It isn't. <laughs> Mr. Presley Lay and her son, along with his wife and children, saw a creature in the fall of 1974. The group were near the Bitterroot River. Hey, that's right over here. When they spotted the Bigfoot about 200 yards from their position, the creature was covered in brown hair, walked upright, and swung its arms in an exaggerated fashion as it moved quickly from one side of a clearing to the opposite side. This account, again, was sent to John Green. The Cascade County Sheriff's Office received a report on December 26, 1975, from a pair of frightened junior high school girls. The first girl, a resident of Great Falls, was spending the Christmas holiday with a second girl who lived on a horse property outside of Bond. Late in the afternoon, the girl noticed that the horses were in an agitated state, stamping the ground, rearing up on their hind legs, and acting erratically. The girls quickly discovered the source of the horse's agitation. A figure about seven and a half feet tall was about 200 yards away from the property's mobile home and about 25 yards away from a thicket. As recounted in Mystery Stalks the Prairie, quote, the Great Falls girl found a twenty-two rifle belonging to her friend's father and looked through the scope at the creature. She described its face as dark and awful looking and not like a human's. The girl said the creature was seven to seven and a half feet tall and twice as wide as a man. Hoping to frighten the creature away, the girl fired the rifle into the air. But the hairy thing didn't react. She waited a short time, then fired again. Although the girl had not fired toward the creature, it seemed to behave as if it had been shot at or even shot. In a bizarre display, the thing fell to the ground and started to pull itself along with its arms. After recovering a short distance, it jumped back up again. The two girls had seen enough. They turned on their heels and retreated from the area. When they looked back to see what the creature was doing, they spotted three or four other creatures helping the first one get into the cover of some bushes. Captain Wolverton was impressed by the report, and the obvious fright displayed by the girls served to reinforce that they were not lying or trying to pull a prank. The girls also volunteered to take a polygraph test, and both of them passed. The night after the incident, Captain Wolverton, Under Sheriff Glenn Osborne, and Deputy Dick Gasvoda went to the area of the sighting and conducted their own search for the creatures. Wolverton used a starlight scope to scan the area, and the other men went into the brush to try to flush out anything lurking out of sight. 
While the officers didn't spot any Bigfoot in the area, they did find a number of tree breaks that were unusual and similar to those found at other reported sighting locations. The officers also spoke with the Bond's girls, uh, with the Bond girl's father, who related his own tale. The man told the lawman that shortly after midnight on Christmas morning, <clears throat> he was awakened by a sound he described as, quote, like a human dying an agonizing death, unquote. The man took a flashlight and went outside to investigate. While the witness acted bravely, his dog certainly did not and refused to go outside. Apparently, he either failed to find anything or retreated back inside. Whatever the case, Wolverton didn't note any further information about the incident. The captain himself returned to the property again the following day and walked around the area, hoping to find footprints, but discovered nothing. The unsettling sound heard by the Vaughn witness was also reported by other people in the area. The following month, a man living just a few miles west of the property reported the same disturbing sound. Just like the Vaughn girl's father, the man noticed that his dogs, who were normally aggressive, were acting afraid, standing up against the house and making very faint barking noises. Echoing the Vaughn man's report, the witness also said the scream was like that of a man dying in pain. The noise lasted for about five minutes. In February 1976, a resident of Bab called the sheriff's department to report that she and her husband had heard the weird sound the previous summer. While it's unclear why the woman waited so long to report the sounds, it's notable that the pattern was the same, a miserable moaning echoing in the night and dogs that acted terrified, according to Mystery Stalks the Prairie. She said other residents of Bab had heard the sound too, and she understood a man from Browning had seen Bigfoot on Logan Pass and Glacier Park the preceding summer. Authorities did not have the man's name, so they could not check the story. Now, on February 11, 1976, Captain Wolverton received a report from an airman who said he had found bipedal tracks near Beaver Creek in the Rocky Mountains. According to the airman, the creature that left the tracks had three toes. Heavy snowfall prevented Wolverton from investigating the scene closely, but he did fly over the area hoping to see something from the air, although he reported nothing unusual. Not long after the two girls had their weird encounter, a pair of boys in Ulm, a few miles southwest of Great Falls, had a sighting. It was February 21st, 1976, and the boys were near a bridge that crossed over the Missouri River. One of the young men saw a hair-covered arm reaching out from some bushes. The second boy, who was further ahead on the trail, saw a tall creature with dark brown hair and, quote, glowing whitish-yellow eyes, unquote. The boy reported the incident to the sheriff's department, but it was more than two weeks after the sighting, so officers felt it was pointless to investigate the site at that point. The boys were given polygraph tests and both passed. And on that note, Super Duke, another great report from the Cryptid Report guy, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in, at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAV, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter, hashtag SpacedOutRadio. I know Duke is out there somewhere. Remember, this Finding show is... Finding Bigfoot. 
<laughs> Remember, this show is copyright. Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Adventures Limited. Thank you so much for tuning us in, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. The sheets are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible, and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. The best Black Friday furniture deals are happening now at Ashley. Shop doorbusters starting at just $199.99 and featured finds starting as low as $12.99.99. Plus, take advantage of our low monthly payments with 60-month special financing on in-store purchases. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop more Black Friday deals. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.